Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. There we are. We are live. It's alive. It is alive. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the streaming Evil Live show. I'm your host, Jeffrey Murdergram. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, we're just gonna launch right into it. We're not gonna we're not gonna wait around. We have our, our guest waiting in the wings. So we're just going to we're going to jam on into it. I'm going to I'm going to actually start the show. Oh, no, 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 Jeff, shut up. Shut up, Jeff. No, 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 Jeff, shut up. <laughs> I got to turn down my volume. Sorry about that. Uh, all right. Let's start the show properly. And then we're going to bring our guest in. We, we start our show a very particular way here. And we're going to do that right about now because that jeff is gonna talk about the misfits right now he's a nerd about this stuff obsessed anyhow jeff never shuts his face always needs to talk might be shown somewhere if he went out for a walk do you think that he cares he doesn't care he's not in ranch. Ah, okay. Now that we've properly started the show, now that I have the diet double fudge polar seltzer soda in my tumbler, choked with ice, of course. Woo, there it is. Um, I don't need to bury the lead. We know who's here. We know who's here. We have Maurice hanging out, Devil Man himself, the MC of all things Danzig, Sam Hayden, Misfits via via the interwebs. I'm just gonna bring him in. Let's just bring him in. Let's 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 light this firecracker. Maurice, Maurice, where are you? Where are you, Maurice? Maurice, whoa, there he is. I'm lost. You found oh, me. I found you. Hey, buddy. <laughs> How you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. I got to tell you something really quick. Go ahead. How in the hell did you come up with such a funny intro song? That is hilarious. Okay. So <laughs> it, it's funny because I just, one day I was humming she, and then I was just like, I need an intro song. And then I started, you know what it was? Actually, we, it happened on the show, I think. I think we were just, I was goofing around. And then I just started doing, you know, the intro and I just, it just came to me and it's like, that's, you know, that's the, the theme song, you know, and 
it's very very it's very obnoxious but it makes me laugh which is a good thing <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's uh it's a it's a silly it's a silly little ditty a silly little ditty indeed um welcome to my show how are you thanks for having me jeff oh. it's uh good to be here doing well i'm so glad i'm really really glad we could do this it's great to have you on um i mean there's i mean there's so many things i want to ask you i mean Really, what's what's fascinating about you, Maurice, is that you're part of the first wave of fandom after the bands, or I should say, after the Misfits are no longer a band. Like you, you you came into this through Sam Hain. Am I correct on that? Start with Sam Hain. Uh, something like that. I mean, you have, you have it kind of right. I mean, um, I mean, I can go over that. You know, if you want me to elaborate a little bit, but. Sure, please. But uh, I think uh, I don't know what you mean. But I guess first wave, or it's just it's been a long time. Um, I'll, I'll say. I mean, um, I think it all started uh, <laughs> uh, when I was you know into punk rocks, like in junior high school, and you know growing up in at least where I grew up, a lot of my friends we would skateboard if we were not by the beach, or we would go surfing. And what would go along with that at the time was listening to a lot of punk rock and. Uh, I was very privileged, I felt, to get into it when I did. But when I did, you know, now, and that was the mid-'80s, I would have to say that uh, I was definitely late to it, you know, because a lot of uh, my friends' older brothers were already going to gigs and so forth. So for us, you know, for at least my generation, we were getting into it, and I would always hang out at a record store called Neil's Records, which, interestingly enough, um, the guy who helped me get into record collecting at Neil's Records in Glendale in the mid '80s now runs, shoot, what is it? Is it? I don't know what it's called. I want. I, I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I think it's called Vinyl Solution. No, something in Huntington Beach. I believe it's Vinyl Solution. But anyways, he runs that now. But I would go in there as a kid and just randomly look at covers of punk rock records, buy them, and I think my first one back then, um, as far as Danzig related, was uh, Legacy of Brutality. Um, and so I actually got into it through the Misfits and then, um, you know, bought some other records. But, uh, you know, back then, um, I would say that you only had a limited availability of certain records. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's right. not like nowadays you can just go on the Internet and, oh, that's what the songs sound like on the Bullet 7-inch. <laughs> it wasn't that easy right. back then. Uh, but anyways, I did get into it through uh, Misfits and then later uh, hanging out at Neil's Records, I bought Initium which I didn't even know the Misfits and Initium were related, right? Because at that time, there was no Danzig Skull yet. <laughs> right. um, so uh, I would basically list, you know, collect as many Misfits records as I could. Uh, I would get into Sam Hain. It was cool, too, just really quick. And I, this kind of reminds me of you, Jeff, because I know you're so proud of your Initium vinyl. Um, <laughs> yeah. My Initium vinyl that I bought in the 80s was really cool. And again, I didn't. It was just normal back then because I bought it and I opened it up and it has a really cool lyric sheet. And, you know, I thought that was standard, but, you know, eventually those stopped coming in them. Right. But it had the original. Yeah, oh, lyrics. wow. Wow. But again, this, this was the. Yeah. And, you know, but again, this was the mid 80s. Right. So you'd kind of expect it to be in there. It still wasn't like the even the early 90s and so forth. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I would just uh, collect all this vinyl. And it was interesting because. I was getting so into the Misfits and so into Sam Hain, and I would 
at that time, and it's weird because you, it seems like this is something that I would say now or someone as, as a fan now, but back then, I would be trying to convince all my high school friends. It's like, Jesus Christ, listen to that voice. You know, does it get any better than that? You know, and, and especially because um, I, when I first bought my first Walk Among Us, I hadn't heard those songs. And when I, you know, I, I went to a record convention and I had like 60 bucks in my pocket. And I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to buy Walk Among Us because the only reason, the only way I had heard some of those songs was on Evil Live. And sure, they sound great live, but... Right. Once I played that on the turntable um, for on Walk Among Us, I was pretty much blown away at, you know, this guy's vocals. How could he, you know, tell you he's, you know, I killed a baby today and make it sound so melodic. You know what I mean? I was pretty blown away. And and even hearing songs like All Hell Breaks Loose for the first time, that was surreal for me hearing a studio version. And again, these days, anyone can do it so easily. Whether even 10, even 20, even, you know, whatever, 15, 10 years ago, uh, 15, 20 years ago, I guess when the box, you know, CDs were out, it was still easy. But prior to that, it was a challenge. So anyways, yeah, I got I came in through punk rock, Misfits, Sam Hain, And then I swore to myself, once this guy gets his new band, which eventually was called Danzig, I was going to hit every show I could. And, you know, I've gone to. I would have to say every single show in Southern California, but, you know, obviously I've done some traveling as well. So I've seen the band through every phase as far as Danzig, you know, I think I missed right. Sam Hain by, you know, much. but that hopefully that gives you a little bit of background. Now, what about at the time, at this time, where is like plan nine and like writing in or getting like correspondence or updates via the whatever, whatever semblance of the fiend club exists during the Sam Hain time. Cause I know it way different than what it was during the misfits time after 83. Is that, is that happening at all? Or is, are you involved in that in any way? Good question. I wish, I think I missed that slightly, you know, because by the time I started getting into it, as far as I recall, Glenn wasn't doing plan nine anymore. He had probably just been signed to uh, deaf American. Um, and it's interesting. I just looked at a, a video on YouTube the other day where it showed Rick Rubin's old office. And I'm like, son of a bitch, that's the old office that I walked into as a kid that was as big as my living room on Sunset Boulevard. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I wonder, do you have any promo stuff on this new Danzig stuff? And you know that one big poster that has Glenn like with the with the with that beast mask on and he's on the cross? Yeah. And it's just a huge poster. I'm sure, I think that poster is pretty rare now, but they gave me that and they just gave me all these promo items and it was pretty cool, you know, um, especially being in L.A. back in the time, back in the day. Even one time in the 80s, I was driving around with my friend and I was talking about Danzig. Right. Of course. Back then, you know, I was I was talking everyone's head off about Misfits, Danzig, and Sam right. Hain. Next thing I know, I'm like, son of a bitch, look over there. It's Glenn. And Glenn was walking along uh, the sidewalk with Rick Rubin and they went into some like. Like, I don't know, a sheep hide type of store, like where you could get your seats covered in like some pretty fancy upholstery and stuff. But anyways, I pulled over and I go, dude, Glenn, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you back then. It wasn't so freaky, was right? Because time. that was the first time you met him. No, actually it wasn't. It wasn't. Wow. Uh, I had met him prior to that, but that was still the early eighties, you know, like it was barely Danzig one, but you could actually yeah. go up to him and talk to him versus now it's like, it's a little yeah. bit different, you know, cause he's yeah, so yeah. popular. Everyone wants a piece right. of Glenn these days. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know? um, so you were always kind of in the periphery. I mean, I think that's like just really interesting. I mean, you really 
got to see the history uh, uh, unfold from like sort of like the sidelines or whatever and get closer and closer as you know time has has passed that's pretty uh that's pretty profound when you think about it just in the way that like uh uh you got to see all the different iterations and versions and you know you actually coined something i don't know you said it one i, I don't remember where you said it but i thought it was also very uh profound uh, when try when when I discuss when we talk about this stuff in nerd, I mean we just we just pour over it like nerds. Um, I I think it is a really good way to look at Danzig's progression as like it really is just uh, an evolution of Glenn Danzig's songwriting, and whoever the personnel is, sort of just changes with the evolution of the band, and that really it's just one long continuation. And yeah, I just think that's a really good way to look at it. You know? Of course, because it um, started as the Misfits, uh, then it was right. called Sam Hain, and uh, now it's called Danzig. And right. yeah, to your point, I'll be honest with you, I, I like the evolution of it. Um, so anytime someone asks me, because I've been there from the beginning as far as Danzig, right? Every time Glenn put, puts out a new record, they're like, okay, it's not like what it was before. And even when Danzig 1 came out, I remember a lot of my friends were like, what is this? This is not Sam Hain 3. This is not even Sam Hain, really. Even though it kind of was, but in a different, you know, produced a little bit differently, a little bit more, I guess, uh, you know, just more like ACDC type type of sound. But, uh, you know, I, I've lost, I, I know friends of mine that have just left after Danzig 1. I think the only Danzig album where everyone at the time actually was, okay, this is kind of cool. And and I could see that was Lucifuge, but then Danzig 3 came out and my friends go, oh, no, forget this. And then Danzig 4, even worse because they had can't speak on MTV and they just were not for yeah. that. And then it just goes on and on and on. So to me, I think it's funny, you know, and that's why the more people listen to the classic stuff, the more I listen to the new stuff. And that, that I'll always be that way. I've always preferred listening to what's in Glenn's head more, most recently. And why? Because it's evolved. It's evolved. I don't like to get stuck in, you know, and I, obviously I love the misfits. I adore Sam Hain. But, you know, in my preference, I would love to see a Danzig tour just because, hey, you know, like even in that one song, what is it? Uh, Pain in the World, Angel of Wisdom, see how it's grown. I just like to see progression, you know, and right. I'm never going to deny the early stuff. But, yeah, I like uh, I like to see the evolution and I like to play the new stuff more. <laughs> um, firstly, I want to ask you, I ask this to a lot of people, but. I want to ask you, I want to get your two cents. How, what is, how do you describe Sam Hain? It like, this is like a, an endless conundrum for me, trying to like understand like the best way to describe this music. I hate it when journalists, I feel like journalists get this wrong all the time when they're writing about, you know, Sam Hain or they're passing over Sam Hain usually. It's usually like Misfits, Danzig, and Sam Hain. It's just like, oh yeah, and then for three years he was doing this thing called Sam Hain, blah, 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 blah. And it's never like they don't ever really touch on what it is because nobody really understands it. And like if someone has never heard Sam Hain for the first time, how would you describe Sam Hain musically in your from what you know of, about this band? I guess in my opinion, it would just be um, a little bit more of a paganistic survivalist type of, of you as far as just the music writing and it kind of reminds me at least at that time and i believe what do they call it the bat cave bands like a lot of like the right like specimen um Bauhaus. 
uh, Bauhaus, those types of bands. Exactly. So, you know, I don't think they were, they were like that. I don't think they were like that, but kind of like scratching the surface around that type of genre while Glenn was still making it his own. I mean, those lyrics are pretty brutal. And then, you know, and uh, not that I'm planning that you're going to ask me this, but I'm going to tell you because a lot of people ask me what mix do I like better with regards to, let's say, like, especially like Unholy Passion, like the old original mix or the new mix. And dude, by me, it's a no brainer. I like the newer one. Why? Because I can hear Glenn, you know, a lot clearer, even though those lyrics were hard to decipher. But, you know, those uh, I like the new the newer mixes, I guess, from I guess, what was it, the early 90s or whenever they were. Those are pretty damn, damn clear when it came out on CD, and I love those, you know. But, yeah, kind of like some, you know, uh, kind of like the Batcave type of bands, almost like, in, no, I'm not, like a gothic-type punk, you know. And the best thing about it was it's great when, like, you hear, like, a show, like, from Rock Hotel where Glenn will say, you want to hear another fast one? Good, because we're going to play another slow one just because, you, you know. Right. I just, I just love going against the grain, and I guess that's how I kind of view just the way I, I view um, – Right. The legacy, the more someone likes the Misfits, the more I'll like Sam Hain, the more someone likes, you know, this era, you know, and right now, you know, I love the record collecting and so forth, but it's a little bit, I don't know, um, I don't know, trendy right now. So I don't know. It's just a little bit, it's just different from when, how it was before. Um, Let so. me ask you this question. When did, I mean, first of all, I, I mean, the, the market has gone through the roof right now i mean it's just exploded when i spoke i had tanner on my show who's an avid collector and i said tanner when like what what happened when did this all start and he was like look when you know in 2016 when riot fest went down and like you know uh there was the reunion that that sort of you know made the market just sort of inflate like crazy and it has not deflated since i mean it's only gotten crazier i know you have seen some of the insanity that's been that's been happening i mean it's just prices that will probably never be seen again are are currently in fashion right now it's kind of insane my opinion there is uh maybe i think three things have to do with it three of them one of them being uh you're right uh the shows of course and i think it's fantastic that they're doing their shows it definitely keeps the legacy alive definitely the shows Um, also a lot of, uh, publications that have come out that have been documenting this stuff, whether, you know, they're, I guess most of them, I would have to say they're unofficial, but the fact that now it's documented, people are like, Oh, I want that one. I want that variation. I want that very, you know, um, which I never got into too many variations. I like the color vinyl and stuff, but there's like, what is like 20 versions of a black vinyl, you know? And I think the, the closest I got to was like the text labels after that. And like first pressings and text labels. After that, it was more like, it's a nice to have, but I'm not going to seek them out. But anyways, um, so I, I think, uh, yeah, the, re, the shows, the, the, the shows, um, also the fact that some of this stuff has been documented. And thirdly, I think the pandemic kind of has helped because no one could do anything, right? So they needed some type of outlet. And one of the best outlets, you know, and not only just for record collecting, but I've noticed that even in some of the Japanese toys I like to, not, not that I really collect, but that I was looking at, all of a sudden there's a huge interest and it's, you know, a lot of it had to do during the pandemic. So that's just my humble opinion as to why a lot of it is. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, Jeff, the music yeah. is timeless. So okay. it'll, I think it'll always stand the test of time. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, I didn't even consider that factor, the idea that the pandemic has, led to a lot of people just sort of scrolling eBay, you know what I mean? Just sort of like uh, uh, l- looking, you know, looking around and just 
taken an interest in, you know, uh, these these assets. They're like, you know, it's funny. Everybody's into like NFTs right now, and they're almost like analog NFTs because they're so rare. And, you know, everybody wants wants a piece of them. And I don't know, just insane. Um, now, here's an, here's another question I have for you. I, I also this was another thing that I had asked a previous collector. Do you insure your collection because of just the value? Like, do you keep everything like, you know, aren't like, I don't know, like, how does that work? Like, how do you how do you go about that? That's a personal question, Jeff. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, um, should I insure him? Sure. Do I? No, I don't. You know, but if someone wants to try to come get him, okay, because I'll be ready. <laughs> but no, just like more like more like for accidental stuff and things of that nature. Um, I think it's a good idea. Let's put it that way for sure. I'm not going to discount anyone who does it. I think it's a great idea. Right. Right. Um, because I mean, it's gotta, I mean, how do you even like begin? It's just like you start cause it's something that's really interesting. And then you get to a certain point where it's like, you have, you know, you have like so much or you you're, you're so into it that you got to keep it going. Like you can't stop. Like you gotta just keep the, keep the engine moving, you know? Well, I'm just glad I'm not younger because, uh, yeah, I think I would be in big debt if I was still collecting, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a thrill, and especially, you know, being privileged enough to even um, privileged enough to hang out with Glenn and stuff, going through some of his collection and just like being blown away at some of the stuff. And, you know, sometimes I would be there like, what's that hanging out in the corner there? And it was just like an uncut, like evil life stand and just wow. little things like that. You know, um, it's just it's pretty surreal to look at some of that history and, you know, which Glenn doesn't. I don't think well, I don't know. I don't I never want to speak for Glenn, but it's more like right. he just has it there, you know, and. It's good to me. It's like, wow, it's like gold. It's treasure to you. Right. It's treasure to you. Um, without, without revealing too much, um, would you say, are, are, are we still scratching the surface in terms of like, like things that would just blow our minds as to like, what is still out there that's yet to be really like cataloged and sort of had a light shine on it? Or is it pretty much you know, what you see is, is, is what is out there uh, in terms of, cause I remember you, one time you posted, you posted a picture of, I guess it was a bullet or maybe it was a horror business. It was something that was like hand colored that I, I was like, that blew my mind. Like, I didn't even know that that existed. Like, I didn't even know that he was hand coloring certain records and it was in some weird off color, you know, which is totally the collector mentality of Glenn of like, I'm going to do like three of these and make it like even rarer than it, you know, already is, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of that stuff surfaced, um, has, I would say as far as vinyl collecting and stuff like that, I think we're, and with social media, I think we're all a little bit spoiled now because, uh, I think for the most part we've seen, I would say, unless I'm, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I would say we've seen at least 90 to 95% of it, if not all, you know, wow. a lot of that stuff and a lot of that's Yeah. That, that's, that's all I'll say as far as what I think, you right. know, cause there's a lot of stuff out there and especially in some of those publications, like some of that stuff we would never see um, if it wasn't for some of those things. So anyways, yeah, I think most of it we've seen now, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of potential audio and video out there, but, you know, that's a different story altogether, you know, uh, right. but as far as actual right. vinyl collecting and so forth, 
Yeah, that's. I think we've seen most of it. I would imagine. Right. Right. That's um. That's pretty crazy. So tell me. So so tell me about how the seventh house really begins. What is the, what is the birth of the seventh house? The seventh house, I think, started um, back in. Yeah, around around ninety six, and that was like the the infancy of the internet. And uh, what was there lacking that was would drive me crazy? It's like I want to see fucking photos of the misfits and Sam Hain. They didn't exist back then. Um, it was very rare to see them. Um, so that that was a that was a good that that was a I think that was one of the purposes, you know. And then at this at the same time. Um, another thing is I wanted to promote black acid devil who was not many people were promoting it. Right. And I'm like, right. Mark, man, I like this record. I want to expose it. And yeah, you know, I want to also share whatever rare photos there are because there's not many out there. Um, so that, that started about mid, like around the mid nineties. And that's where I started having a lot of dialogue with Glenn, you know, the internet was new. Right. Um, also what like i think the the other side of the misfits was trying to was you know i guess getting back together so i was like you know what i want to promote glenn i want to i like black acid devil want to promote it so i think that would be the hunger to um i guess share and try to find more photos which again these days much easier but back then different story uh, different story and the need to uh have an outlet for uh for dancing fans, like, you know, true dancing fans that were going to stick right. around, you know, because to me it was, I, Hey, I love all the past band members, all great. But at the end of the day, it's Glenn's songwriting. Um, right. You know, wh- whether they attach themselves to a past band member or a present one, it's, it's Glenn's band. And, you know, and it's funny because it's um, people, you know, I guess for the most part with the seventh house, some people like, why did they do remove this post or that post? It's like, Hey, to me, I just try to take the emotion out of it. I just want to make sure that we go by what Glenn wants. Um, totally. It's not, it's nothing emotional, nothing like that. Um, so it's just, just trying to keep the legacy going. And I think that's what's helped, you know, make it the official fan site. You know, it's, it's great to get that acknowledgement from Glenn and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to promote the legacy and keep it going. Well, what's interesting is there were like, you know, I mean, there were like a couple of, there were like a couple Hi, of sites back then. Yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve going blah, 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 Steve. Um, no, um, but yeah, there were like a couple, you had a couple different sites back then. And Seventh House has been one of those constants from the beginning, or at least from the beginning of like the dawn of the Internet, you know, because that's the other thing, too, is from the beginning of time. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the beginning of. I don't know. It's the beginning of digital history. How about that? It's the beginning of digital yeah, history. No, totally. Because at the end of the day, you have fandom and the internet colliding in a crazy way where you can suddenly learn, like you don't have to be around the band. You don't have to know the band to learn everything about the band. And that's what the internet, that's how the internet changed the game. Now you have a thousand and one misfit Sam Hain Danzig nerds like me, who's like, actually, you know, who are just like, you know, who just like, who, who want to, you know, uh, uh, proclaim themselves experts and know this, that, and the other. But when in reality, they, I mean, really everything that they learn, they either learn from talking to other people or from what they read on the internet. And half of the time, some of that information isn't even true. 
so it's like um it's just kind of interesting how that changes and it goes back to what you know what you were telling me before about like you know uh sort of discovering this stuff at a time where information is really really hard to get um you know and you, you're perhaps you're seeing that i mean the skull the skull is everywhere right you're seeing the skull all over the place i'm thinking like the late 80s early 90s some people know what the skull is connected to some people don't know what the skull is connected to you know and then some people who are super in the know are putting the, together that wait a minute this dude from this band danzig used to sing in this band the misfits what that's crazy holy crap i did not know that i always hear that story from time to time from people who just didn't put two and two together you know the, the one i always hear was if it wasn't for metallica i would have never gotten gotten into danzig or the misfits so i think that's pretty funny no it's and it's fine that's that's a fair statement but for me it was the other way around if, should i have known about metallica and i knew of them but i wasn't into them until you know i got into metallica because of glenn not the other way around <laughs> right 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 yeah you know i mean i i would chalk it up to cross-pollination you know it just sort of goes it, it you know uh people that are really into metal or into metallica they see metallica wearing these shirts or vice versa people are really into the misfits and suddenly here's this band metallica and they're covering misfit songs it's kind of like what like this band who's really big right now is covering songs that i really really love like that's really crazy to me you know uh e either which way you know back uh this side or that side um so so you're really into Danzig sings Elvis right now because you said you were listening to the the newest latest stuff. You were you were you you must have uh, really appreciated that finally coming out because it had been thirty years in the making, right? Been a long time coming. Um, I would. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Glenn, but it was a as a fan. Sure, it was great to fan, hear. You know, as a fan, as a, as yeah. a fan. and um, I, I, you know, it's not. I do. I, I love the album and so forth. Um, of course, I would love to. I can't wait to see Danzig sings Elvis. Let's say with some live shows and so forth. So I think right. that would be a treat. You know, I think especially because it would be more of a an intimate setting. Um, yeah. And then yeah. you're glancing Elvis. It's funny because I think most Danzig fans get it right. You know, uh, my first experience listening, to, hearing one of those songs was what? I think we did one of those songs at um, Bordello's Halloween, 1991. Um, when he did an acoustic set, I think he did one night, one night that night, which was great, you know? So, right. um, for me as a Danzig fan, it was, it was almost expected that he would eventually do something like that. Right. But it's funny. Cause I've heard some other Danzig fans say, this is nothing what I thought it was going to be or, or what have you. And a lot of people right. were totally surprised, but for me, I, it was just, a something that I guess for lack of a better term was, um, overdue, but it, it was great to hear, um, but yeah, just just really quick, that acoustic show from 1991, Halloween, dude, that was fantastic. I don't know if anyone was there, but that was pretty surreal. To that was one night with you, right? Yeah, well, well, that's when that, he played that song, but a whole bunch of other right. acoustic songs and stuff. But yeah, um, that was pretty surreal show because my friends are. I called the Danzig hotline that day because I was like, okay, we're in LA, let's call you it right. Because that you have to explain to for people who don't know. Some people will not know what the Danzig hotline is. Explain what the Danzig hotline is. Ah, good point. Back, I guess, uh, before the, the, the before time, before the digital history began. Exactly. Before, before this all started, um, one of the ways to get a lot of the information was to call area code 213 number 
an LA number to get the latest on Danzig happenings. So, right. you know, I would always call, you know, it was just cool to get updates and so forth um, about what was going on with the band. And naturally came Halloween and I was like, you know, I think they had mentioned, hey, make sure you call us on Halloween. There might be a special announcement. So naturally I called and they said, hey, we're going to be here at this location tonight. Amazing. And I was like, what did I do immediately? I called my friends. I'm like, hey, guys, Danzig is playing Halloween night. We got to go. Um, so, of course, we all get there and we're, and we're expecting, I guess, similar to the Ricky Rackman shows. And that's another story I can go into. But they were just like small, intimate, live Danzig shows. So we all thought this was going to be OK. Danzig's playing a small club live on Halloween. And so we're all waiting around. Um, I think it, it, they, they waited till midnight and you could, and we would hang out by the kitchen because you could see like these little see-through um, windows that you could see into the kitchen. And that's where the band was hanging out. And wow. Uh, when they got there and they waited till midnight at midnight, they all, they came out on stage, all the lights were dark and there was four like um, bar stools set up on the stage and they came out with a, uh, lit up jack-o'-lanterns and just put them like on the stage and sat on these wow. stools and just went into an acoustic set. Um, so that was pretty surreal. So that's what, that was wow. one of the first times I heard that Elvis song. That's where I got to hear, you know, Glenn do like Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters. Just down. Um, the Heated Killer Wolf, I'm the One, uh, Heart of the Devil. That was pretty, pretty surreal to see that. Not yet, right? Well, that was Halloween 91. So... Oh, no, I guess that. how the God's kill had to come out, even though he did heart of the devil, you know? Wow. wow. But uh, yeah, there was, and that was another story where um, when they played Ricky Rackman's uh, birthday party, I think the summer of 1990. Yeah. That was a different one where they did. That was before Lucifuge came out. And that was another wild story. But that was a live set versus an acoustic set. The Ricky Rackman ones were gotcha. pretty crazy because um, I remember that show. That was the first time. Um, the first one I had heard long way back from hell and snakes of Christ. Wow. That was, that was, that was pretty surreal. And not only that, the that band was, that was, was live band. That was live band. That was not acoustic. That was live band. Yeah. That was live band and there was no stage. So you were like, right. Wow. You know, it was like, you know, I can't imagine Danzig ever doing anything like that again, but this was right on the floor and um, it was pretty surreal. You know, that was pretty amazing to see. That was crazy. But you know, that's when, I just, I was just a little kid and those were like the metal days. So it's like, I'm just looking at all these like, oh fuck, look at all these KNAC people here. But it was rad, dude. It was pretty surreal. And that's, after that show, Glenn asked my friend and I, because later, I think about a month later, they started the Long Way Back From Hell tour. Yeah. And he, he asked us, hey, what do you think of Soundgarden? And I was like, oh, they're, they're a good band, you know? So that was cool. That, so that's when he took Soundgarden out, right? I think Corrosion right. on that on that tour. So that was that was fun. Those, those Ricky Rackman parties were we're great. And hey, and again, that all ties back to calling that Danzig hotline back in the day. So it, right. it definitely served its purpose in a, in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, question. What, assuming that you remember, what did, remember. what was Chuck, what was Chuck Biscuits playing? Was he playing like a drum kit during the acoustic thing or whatever? Or was he tapping on like a wooden crate or something? Like how did that work with, with, uh, with Chuck drums? Biscuits was on a tambourine. No, 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 I'm oh. sorry. That was eerie. That was eerie. Uh, was on the, okay. John and Chuck were both on acoustic guitars, from what I recall. Chuck was playing acoustic guitar as well? Yeah, which doesn't surprise me because they didn't he play guitar on some of those Metallica sets with Glenn? 
I, I just got hooked on a guitar. But as far as I recall, uh, John and Chuck were on acoustic and Erie was on the tambourine. It was, and I believe, I know Erie was on the, the, all the way on the right and Glenn was on the other side. And in between you had Chuck and John. Okay. You're kind of all, all next to each right other. Now. All next you're to each kind other. Of I'm blowing my mind right. I said, you're kind of blowing my mind right now because I had no idea that Chuck Biscuits, A, played guitar and B, that, you know, whatever Glenn had worked out, I'd be like, all right, Chuck, you're going to play, you're going to play acoustic guitar over here next to John. Like, that's so weird to me. That's so crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. To touch back on Danzig sings Elvis for a minute. This to me, and again, I know Glenn has said, I might do more music in the future. I might not. He said something about that in that interview. If he never does make another new album ever again, which I would not want, I want him to always make music. But if that is the period, I think it is the best goddamn period that he possibly could have punctuated. It's perfect, man. I thought I would not like Danzig Sings Elvis because I was not, you know, there's there's things about the last couple albums didn't, I don't know, wasn't always my cup of tea. Danzig Sings Elvis was like phenomenal. It was it was flawless. And you want to know what's interesting? I feel like it was a very personal album. You know what I mean? Like there was like it was there was something very personal about him covering those songs. Like it made me think like he's covering them for certain reasons. And if you listen, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I almost feel like it's like he's showing us where some of his songs were influenced from influenced from. Like you know, um, I'm trying to think of an example. I think Baby Let's Play House kind of is like similar or invocative of like American Nightmare. And there's a song that maybe it's You Were Always On My Mind that reminds me very much of Sistina's. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like he's showing us his personal songbook from which, you know, because he's, you know, we know that Elvis is a big influence and it's like, I don't know. It just feels like a very personal album. I'm just a big, I didn't think I would be a fan. I'm a huge fan of Danzig Sings Elvis. Loved it. Yeah, it makes sense. I see what you're saying, like a, like in a, like personal. And uh, to me, it's very a natural, you know, something that Glenn would do to cover. And the thing I like about it uh, is that he's covering songs that people don't expect. And I like that. Just like when I share Danzig songs, just like, just like in general, like when I share Danzig songs, Sure. Every now and then I'll include a, maybe a dirty black summer or something, but you know, right. as a fan, I want to hear the other stuff. I want to hear, you know, if, if it was up to me, I'd love to hear black laden crown live. Sure. I would love to hear Lucia fuse live, but you know, there was a time for that. And I saw it. Would I like to see it again? Right. Fucking absolutely. And I can't wait for psycho fest, but right. I, I love the new stuff. I always like the new stuff. Um, so yeah, I, every time I, I do song of the week or something, it's yeah. like, like in a song like Apocalypse or a song like, you know, from um, Death Red Sabbath or uh, Black Lady and Crown. Um, I like to share those songs versus like the standard ones, you know, but Death Red. But yeah, Red I, I like, I like how, just like I like how, and that's just like the why I like, uh, I like the fact that Glenn selected songs that, you know, he liked songs that weren't as popular on that Elvis record, you know? Pocket Full of Rainbows, in my opinion. Okay, Pocket Full of Rainbows. <laughs> And I think it's, I think it's, you were always on my mind. I'm trying to think if there was, maybe there's one other one. I think pocket full of rainbows might be my favorite thing that he's recorded in the last 25 years. I love it that much. I love it. It is. I thought again, I think it's so good. I, and you know what it is? I heard somebody reviewing it and I really hated the way that they reviewed it. They said it was raw 
And I think they just didn't understand how to verbalize what Glenn was doing. It's stripped down. It's minimalist. He's being very minimalist. He's not over. He's not like packing it with sound. He's keeping it very simple and he allows it to be a vehicle for his voice. And it's just, he's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. A plus, A plus for me when it comes to Danzig sings Elvis. I concur. And I hope to, uh, yeah. to see those shows live. I think that'll be, that'll be awesome. Is that um, what? So first of all, before we get before we talk about what's happening or what might be happening in the future, tell, what? How does some? So how do you come about these things in in your groups? It's like all of a sudden it's like Misfits Monday and Sam Hain Saturday and yada yada yada. Where, where did this evolve out of? Did you come up with this or how did that? How did that all start? I think all of us did. I think we're just fans yeah. and we just want to keep the legacy going, right? You know. So right. What rhymes with you know? I, what better way to give homage to? Sam Hain and Sam Hain's Saturday and fucking Sunday. Right. And when I told Glenn, like, hey, we're starting to do these things, he goes, good. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think you know, I think Sam Hain will always have a, a personal, you know, place in his heart. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being uh, – um, I sigh too much on the Sam Hain side. So I would love to see a lot of those stuff – a lot of those things we released. And, you know, I'd love to see another – Oh my god! Box set with some shows. Oh my god! Yes, with like just multicolor. You know what's funny? You see what they're doing with their. You see what uh, what's what's their faces are doing with Walk Among Us, and I just keep thinking, oh my god, give me that, but with Sam Hain. That's what I want. I want like, give me like. You you saw that April Fool's thing, right? Yes, it, it, it like captured that. Totally captured my imagination. I think that was John Voice of Doom who did that. John John of Doom might have put that together i'm not sure somebody did and um correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if john's listening or not um but it totally captured my imagination about what could be you know what 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 we could have in the future so hopefully that does happen at some point you know um i totally see it and it's fantastic to be in uh and always in good contact with steve in london i'm glad uh that uh you know they're still they're still like, you know, part of the the whole legacy and are always yes. they're, they're in good communication with Glenn, which is fantastic. You know, it's just part good. of the dancing family and it's, I love good. it. And I love the the new band. You know, I don't want to say the new band, the latest lineup of the current of the current the current lineup of dancing has been a lot. It's been together a lot longer than, you know, any other lineup. So, a you long know, long time. Big kudos to Steve, to uh, Tommy and Johnny. Um, so I, I, I can't wait to see them at PsychoFest. Uh, so explain to me what is what exactly is happening. They're doing they're doing the full album at Psycho Fest. Are there any other shows currently lined up? Or are they like just dipping their toe in the water? What what is from what you know or from what you can say or from what is you know authorized to speak about? Um, the only thing that um, Glenn has shared with me thus far is uh, Rock Fest um, and uh, Psycho Fest. I know he had mentioned they they may do a Danzig run. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen because I know Tommy's going out on the road and so forth. But as far as I know, um, yeah, Rockfest and Psychofest. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And they're going to do. Didn't you? Weren't you? Weren't you the one who said like they've only played "Girl" or one of some song it was either "Girl" or "Blood or Tears" or something like twice? Or you've only. That, heard I, it, know, like... I don't. I don't know how many times they've ever uh, played uh, "Girl," but the only time I ever got to see them play that live was at the Santa Monica Civic. Uh, 1990 and that was like the first show of that i don't know if it was called the lucifer's tour or the long way back from hell tour but yeah it's funny how how things work out because i think that summer i was on vacation in italy with my friend 
-hmm. And that tour hadn't even been announced yet. Um, it got announced when I was in friggin' Italy and I'm, and I'm like, wow. dude, that'll suck if I miss this. And I landed, I got back from my trip. The tour started like a day later. And so I was like, wow, it was like fate, you know? So I made that show, but yeah, that was the only show I had ever heard the song girl. Uh, I never, I'm sure they did it uh, other times, but I have, you know, uh, that was the only experience I had. Um, now there were like, there was a, there was a couple of you that used to always frequent shows. There was like, there was tank. There was Jonathan. He was known as Jonathan Grimm back then. There was Elizabeth, right? There was Elizabeth and you guys used to always, uh, frequent shows together, right? Like it was like, kind of like, uh, you'd see, EDB see each other. EDB is awesome. Liz, um, we became good friends, you know, back in the day before, you know, the internet and everything. And, um, we always kept in touch always, always, you know, I think, you know, as far, she was probably the one I kept in touch with most as far as fans. And, you know, we always wrote to each other and stuff. And um, in 19, I think it was at that time, 1995, by the time the 4P tour started. Um, and I saw it out here at the Universal Amphitheater and they played um, I Don't Mind the Pain, which was great because that was the first time I had heard it. And I was like, wow, Fuck this. I'm gonna, I want to go see it again. So I flew out to Florida and I met EDB. She picked me up and with a lot of her friends and we we drove to like four shows um, in Florida. And that was gnarly, dude, because I'm from California where it's fucking dry. I land right. in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, which yeah. another surprise was I was like, wow, this is not just Florida. This is like the deep south. Yeah. Um, so that, it, was, it was just really interesting. And I think they played. She, I don't even remember the venue, but uh, anyways, um it, I get off, you know, just off the plane in Jacksonville and I go and I instantly start sweating. I didn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. <laughs> the humidity, you know what I mean? Right, so right. anyways, that's, uh, I remember, and I, I don't even know if EDB had air conditioning, but it was four of us crammed in a Toyota and we were, as far as I recall, drenched in just sweat the whole time oh. traveling throughout Florida. But dude, check this out. That was what was uh, a new band on the bill? You know, their first major tour. What's that band called? Corn. It was Corn, Marilyn yeah, Manson, yeah. and Danzig. So um, that was I mean, that was another pretty surreal experience. People don't realize. I mean, you really have to think about, you know, before Blackest of the Black, where Danzig's trying to like push bands, you know, it, push bands that maybe might not be heard, you know, uh, by a, a wider audience. He's trying to like bring, bring, you know, uh, elevate them. I mean, all throughout the nineties, he's breaking every single band that would go on to have this incredible mainstream success. He's basically, he's like opening doors by putting these bands on his bill, taking them out. And then it's like, I mean, why weren't the record companies turning to Glenn and be like, Glenn, who's, who's the next hit? Who's next? I mean, you got Soundgarden, Corn, Marilyn Manson. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about every band that sort of uh, uh, jumped on the, uh, the the Danzig tour wagon and then was literally breaking breaking out right after. You know, it was like it's like Glenn's like uh, 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 some sort of uh, lucky like luck, lucky rabbit's foot or whatever, like uh, like a thing. You know, like you rub it and then suddenly he's got good taste. He's got good taste. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of amazing. Um, speaking of good taste, Glenn definitely has good taste in horror films. Uh, and you can see he wears when he's making films, he wears his influences on his sleeve. I don't think a lot of people understand that. 
uh, in the best way ever. Like, you know, if you know something about horror cinema and you're watching Glenn's work, you're like, oh, he's doing, you know, this is like Euro, this is like Euro vampire films from the 70s or, you know, whatever, this kind of thing. And now he's doing this new movie that you have seen. You've seen Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Um, what did you like? What What are some of your, the thoughts that you could share with us about uh, what we're what are we in tune for, Devil Man? Is it going to be like? Uh, is it going to blow our socks off? What's going on? Settle down, Jeff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A couple of things, just really quick. Veronica, um, yeah, I, the one thing uh, that that I enjoyed about that, I look at the comic. Yeah. When I'm reading the comic, it was that comic on film. So that was interesting. That was great to see Glenn wow. actually be able to put his comics into on cinema on screen. So right. we had a great time with on those premieres and all the different showings across the country. And I'm glad I own the, the Blu-ray. So I thought that was a, you know, a great uh, like premiere for Glenn. And right. then uh, you're right. Most recently I got to see a death rider in the house of vampires. And um, I think you guys are going to really, really like it. Um, oh, boy, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's different in a sense that, you know, it's not a comic book. Or maybe it is, you know, I don't know. But it's not like a comic book I'm familiar with that was on screen. Um, what I noticed here, there was uh, more budget, great actors. Um, interesting, you know, it, you know, it's great to see the, the storyline. And um, honestly, I think Glenn does great acting. I think he did really well. So I think the fans are really going to dig it. And the, you know, the, the musical score he did on it, I think sounds great for it. So, you know, I hope he puts that out. Uh, but either way, regardless, I think the fans are really going to like this one. Um, I can't wait to see it again. I keep telling Glenn that all the time, but in the end, uh, I know that as soon as we um, have any, or that he lets me know of any word that it will be in theaters. I'm definitely going to share it with everybody, but oh, uh, please, you guys, um, I think people will really dig it and you'll get a kick out of a uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn acting. It's great. Holy crap. That's all I'm going to say. Gotta gonna say. <laughs> all, all I got to say is that when I watched that trailer and I saw Glenn, like, you know, with blood, like all over his face, I am like smiling with like fangs. I just, I, I, I got a real kick out of that man. And you know, it kind of like, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people want to see Glenn on the screen. It's like, why? Like it, it logically makes sense. And you know, I love that he like, it's like, look, he just gave himself like a little side role. He's like, Oh, I could play this part. I, I'll just do the, I'll just do this part myself, you know, and just do this like little thing on the side. It's such a great selling point for the movie. It's a great marketing asset for the movie. And all the, all, all of us are just going to get a kick out of seeing what, you know, see him chew the scene when he comes on this, on the screen and, you know, does his thing. So I think it, and oh. you know, it's an interesting idea. You know, there's definitely been vampire Westerns before, but there's no, I don't think I've, there's ever been a movie where it's just, everybody is a vampire. It's, it's a vampire. Like yeah. not been done. It's not been done before. So it's, you know, it only, only something like that could come from the mind of Glenn Danzig. So it's like, you know, and he's been trying to do this stuff forever. I mean, I remember reading interviews. He went back in the Sam Hain days, even in the Misfit days, he wanted to put out horror cassettes on Plan 9. He established a independent distribution system, and he's going to produce, you know, horror, as he called them, horror cassettes, you know, which were horror stories and kind of sounded like maybe it would be like anthology type stuff and just put it out like no just through the fiend club you know on vhs which was kind of revolutionary for a band 
for a guy from a band to like do something like that back then. No, no one was doing thinking of doing something like that. You know, it's good to see him do that stuff. I I fully agree. So, yeah, I can almost guarantee all the fans are going to dig this one. Um, definitely, you know, don't don't expect a Veronica because again, it's totally different. Um, right. And uh, you're gonna, I think you guys will get a kick out of this. Just the all the actors, great actors, a great storyline, and fuck yeah, it's great to see GD acting. <laughs> So tell me about this. So, you know, you are an avid collector of photographs and you have, I mean, I've seen some of your shots and they are incredible. The house, the, the seventh house collection is uh, a formidable collection. Um, what came first when it comes to photographs, your co- collecting photographs or you love taking photographs and then you became a collector of photographs or vice versa. How did that all Probably vice versa, you know, um, because photos, especially the Misfits and Sam Hain, were so rare and you couldn't get them. Um, So I think uh, just a love for rare photos and then eventually asking Glenn, hey, can I shoot shoot you, you know? And it was cool because at the beginning he he let me in stuff and after a couple of years he's like, come on, man, you got to stop using flash. (laughs) So, you know, that that was just a whole different ballgame altogether. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I think it, um, just collecting photos and then eventually getting into photography. Um, but yeah, um, you're right. What are some of the me- mechanics of that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. C- continue with what you were saying. No, no go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say what. Like, what are what are some of the mechanics of doing it? Like, how you know do you do you do do you shoot things in burst mode? Like, do you take? And for those of you who don't know what burst mode is, it's like you 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 or is that like cheating? Is that kind of like a bullshit kind of? tactic it's there's there's no sport to like using like a burst mode a burst mode for those of you who don't know is where you can basically take a burst of photographs all at the same time and pick out the the ones that kind of work best i don't know anybody who's tried to ever take photographs it's really freaking hard you everything needs to be in the right kind of way or else it's going to come out blurry like there's it, it there's a lot of stuff that goes into taking a photograph at least manually you know And you bring up a good question. You know, I think um, what really did it for me was uh, shooting the Misfits in in L.A. And this was obviously after shooting for, what, 20 years? Right. Um, I I asked Glenn, hey, how do you like these photos? Because he had just approved a whole bunch of Danzig ones from um, a recent tour. And he basically said, hey, you got to learn how to take photos. You got to take a photo class. And, I, you know, sure, I, I was like a little bit shocked, but it just like put things into perspective, like, you know, I had to really work on composition. I wanted to just to shoot a lot more. So I think in 2019, that's probably the year I shot the most shows. And I think that was great, great advice from Glenn, first of all, number one. And two, um, that prepared me to, if I ever wanted to shoot the Misfits again, for example, um, I'd be ready this time. And so kind of going back to your question, like, hey, like, what do you, do you ever use like burst mode or whatever? I think now that I have some more experience, I think, um, I feel a lot more confident going into, let's say, a photo pit. And, you know, because usually you only get the first two or three songs from the pit. And um, I'll always have it in burst mode for concerts. But um, I think I can now be in a position where I can compose something, use the lighting there. And, you know, if I have to use burst mode, I will. If I don't, I can always, you know, sn- you know snap a few or maybe one photo. But let's say you're shooting the Misfits, for example. Right. Um, that's well, first off, you've got to get permission, right? Like if you can even get permission. 
But it's, it's, you really can't because, you know, you either know Glenn or maybe, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so you got to get permission. Secondly, with uh, the Misfits and Glenn's rule is always first two songs. So, you know, with Danzig, sure. OK, I can pull that off. It's been rare where he's let me do three songs and three songs on Danzig is to me is like an hour. I was like, perfect. So wow. two songs to me is like 30 minutes. But now when you're talking Misfits, two songs that's like a minute. I mean, that's literally like a minute because, you know, it's, wow. it's that those songs are so short. So um, like uh, the perfect example to really use burst mode. Yeah. yeah. When you're yeah. shooting, let's say like the misfits, for example, because yeah. you want to get as many pictures as you can within that much time. <laughs> so it really depends on who you're shooting, you know, but I always like to take advantage of the lighting and, I shoot Nikon. I won't shoot with anything else. I'm sure there's other great cameras, Leica, Canon, Sony's. You use primes, or are you all about the zoom? I use for cons. Yeah, I use pretty much zoom uh, for the most part. You got um, it right. I mean, it's too. It'd be crazy to yeah. try and use prime. You need you need crazy telephoto lenses just to just to accomplish anything. It'd be crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I use. I definitely use zoom primarily for like a, a shoot, like for a concert or even like the Misfits. Um, for the most part, I use the 24 to 70, 2.8, but definitely I always shoot Nikon. Great lens. Yeah. Cause you get, it's, it's my, a, it's, it's a my versatile. Yeah. It's versatile. It's like, you know, you can get super wide, you can get super telephoto and it's pretty fast cause it opens up to 2.8. You know what I mean? Uh, and you're using, exactly. you're, as you said, you're shooting in concert lighting. Glenn doesn't like the flash. So it's like, you're at the mercy uh, but I mean, there's a lot of good atmospheric lighting. As a matter of fact, it's almost like it almost kind of sets you up for success a little bit if you know what you're doing and you obviously know what you're doing. Um, but that's you. You're kind of blowing my mind. It's something I never even considered the idea that a you have to shoot at the beginning of the show. B that a misfit song versus a Danzig song is so different in time. Plus the, 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 the energy is going to be different. I'm sure the energy of shooting Danzig is way different than the energy of shooting the misfits for a, a whole slew of reasons. You know what I mean? Not that Glenn does. Glenn always clearly gives 150% in what he's doing, but it's just different energy. And therefore maybe that also informs how you're taking these shots what does it feel like when you finish the show it's like you get those you shoot for the first two songs and then you can obviously enjoy the show you get to sit there and kick back and you know watch the show because you're not shooting anymore um but what does it feel like when you get home and, it, and you you have all these shots to go through what is that process like for you it depends oh <laughs> if i oh. if i like if i like the shots great if i don't and i'm pretty uh pretty hard on myself and, and before i post any photos I go through multiple runs, like like, I, and I post most of them on IG, uh, on Instagram, yeah. but uh, or even whether I share them on the Seventh House or what have you. But very, very picky, um, very hard on myself, and I think a lot of that comes from you know Glenn. But hey, it's I, and I feel that it's it's definitely helped me because I'm not a technical photographer by any means. I almost look at myself as like a punk rock photographer where. I don't want to fucking read instructions, you know. Sure, I'll listen to advice here and there, but it's hard for me like to sit in a class and learn but i but i do take little tidbits from talking to people whether it's editing or shooting or whatever it may be and whatever i like i use and i incorporate you know so right. take what you like um, and leave the rest like a, like a cafeteria line you know <laughs> i like this i like that i'm gonna take a little bit of this i'm gonna take a little bit of that yeah know? and whatever works you know but i think for me what's worked the most is uh the equipment i've selected uh, compiled yeah. with mics with 
just shooting show after show before the pandemic. I think I was averaging shooting maybe two to three shows a week, which for me was a lot extreme. That was a lot. Uh, So I definitely look forward to going back to that and not, not only, you know, hopefully Glenn lets me shoot psycho fest, which is going to be great, but uh, I am going to be shooting the entire psycho fest. Um, So I look forward to, you know, shooting a lot of those bands, but um, now, now you started, oh yeah yeah go ahead show us what you got there yeah, why do you always keep interrupting me jeff i'm just kidding i'm so sorry no i'm just that's kidding. what all you know what's funny there was a th- there was a guy there was a video and it was like uh this is what podcasters do and it was something i was so guilty of it's like the the, the thing is is like the guy's about to the the interviewee is about to explain themselves and then the yeah exactly uh, look hey, hey let me ask you this let me ask you this let me ask you this yeah. let me ask you this so no show us what you're going to show us no, I'm not going to show you anything. I was just looking through my book collection. I mean, my photo collection. But Welcome no, I just, I just, I just brought out a couple here. Let me see if there's anything yeah. uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, oh, I don't know if you can see these. These are pretty cool. I'm sure you've seen these. Wow. I got these from yes. from Glenn. I mean, uh, well, this this one looks like the that horror business cover. But anyways, that's not what I want to show. Wow. <laughs> that's just one of them. But. Here's, oh, this is the infamous, um, and maybe I've shown this on the seventh house, but this is rad. And, I, and you know, the only way you guys have sh- uh, seen this photo is because Glenn was nice enough to, you know, sell it to me. Um, and so this one, you guys, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. Great, great photo. And it's really cool because, you know, it's cool. And you, you probably can't even see this, but on the back of this, and I'm going to have to wear my glasses. It's rad because it says, first Doyle photo shoot 1980 photo by glenn danzig copyright glenn danzig and he signed it so this is cool and you can even tell that he uh developed it himself so i thought that was rad and i'm sure you guys have seen that one um i don't know if there's let me see if there's any other ones um that are worth mentioning here since i have my some photos out here i I busted out a couple of them did you just interrupt me again jay no, sorry, Devil Man. I did no, not. No, I'm just <laughs> I did not do it, but Devil Man. This one's pretty cool. Karen O'Sullivan. That's all I'm going to show yeah, on that with one. The chicken, with the chicken bone necklace. You, I you, like you your, never I seen like that one, technique. have you? I like your technique. You've never seen that one. Not I've never knows. seen that one. Whoop. Just remember, yeah, Devil uh, Man, people, the, the screenshotting, people people like to screenshot. You got you to gotta make it blurry. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I know. I was definitely prepared for that. Okay, this is the one I want to show. And yeah, I'm sure see. you guys have seen this one. This one I did not get from Glenn, but I've never seen another one like that. And the reason I know it's original is because, you know. Wow. It's because this is cut out and it says blank records and it was pasted on. And oh my look God. how clear that photo of Kafka. It's really, really clear. Now, there's nothing written on the back of this one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's. So what is that? You know, wait, wait, question, question. So is that made? So that's like the master that they then take to get copies of made. That's what I would think, but I've never seen a copy. Have you? Mm, no, I, I never have. have. So. No. Unless someone like made a copy of like the image. But I remember one day it was cool because I was with Glenn and I see two photos and I'm like, dude, yeah. can I buy one of those? And one of these photos was on, um, was on a poster. Uh, which is, you know, I call it the Kafku poster. Um, and yeah. as the other photo was from mm. the same session, but just a slight altercation. And so I was like, hey, can I please buy that one? So that that's this one. And as you can tell, wow. this one also has blank records over here. 
yeah glued on it was like cut out and glued on and this is actually um on the photo you know glenn did it in the misfits font and this one right. is cool because it says photo glenn danzig copyright 1977 so that's direct from G. That's a really, really unique photo. That cool is photo. really cool. And you know what? I Correct me if I'm wrong, Devil Man. Isn't it true that that is where the original Misfits logo comes from when he wrote the Misfits on that particular uh, photo or whatever? That's where it comes from. It never – and then he re reproduced it for like all the the seven inches and whatnot. It comes from that. That's the master. It could be, I guess it could be, you know, whether he had done it before, but you know, on that photo, it's, it's, it's written out on that font and it's also 1977. So it's, you can't really get too much earlier than that. Well, they were doing the script thing. There's the, they were doing like the, the script font for the misfits or whatever. And mm -hmm. besides that, I don't think right. that there, were, I don't know. I don't think there's anything earlier than that. So that really is, that's the beginning. It's kind of crazy yeah, yeah that it. is totally that's pretty old so I, I don't know i thought you guys would get a kick out of that um this Thank one you. also you know just to, this one obviously you guys have seen too um but it's that unholy passion one another yeah. really 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 cool photo clear as fuck wow. and it's cool because yeah. it's like um photo credit glenn danzig 1985 self-portrait like one of the og like uh selfies right he writes that out or is it like typed out? Like, what is he, how does he, he just documented that himself just so he like had it there? Well, he, well, he, he wrote that on there. Uh, when I got the, when oh, I got the photo, oh, of him, you know, I see. No, it's, that's like, you know what that is? That's like, uh, what is it? You know, when you have like the certificate of authenticity, you know, or whatever, like it's like a, yeah. a certificate, you know, in a weird way, but it's, it's even cooler because it's right on the thing it's you know what it's like it's like glenn writing you in the fiend club but he's like hey let me take this three hits from hell poster and just write a letter on the back so it's like not only is it a three hits from hell poster but it's got a personalized letter from glenn Danzig on the back you know exactly like, and no so to crazy. me it's 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 uh it's it's awesome because you know especially because he he's the photographer you know sets up the camera right. and a self timer on, on some of these and so forth so you know just a true true artist you know and I'm yeah. sure you, you've seen that one from Bullet, the Bullet poster. Yes. Okay. So that that was taken by George Germain, I believe, possibly. And that is in Jerry's pool house, Jerry and Doyle's pool house. They built a little riser, and it would later get nicknamed uh, the pit. And that's where they uh, would rehearse on that little stage. And that's where they got – that's what it you know, turned into the – Static Age poster with the uh, it started as a twisted dream and ended with the world in heat, which is like the coolest catchphrase ever that never gets used enough. That should be on like every T-shirt, you know. I think so at least. And another cool one from Glenn, the Sam Hain, and then a Danzig one. Wait, is that a negative picture? Wait, what, what am I seeing? It looks like a negative, uh, like an intro positive or whatever. Oh, that's pretty one, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, you're talking about the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's, uh, you know what I mean? Like that negative, like where it's like everything's reversed or whatever. Or am I crazy? Um, yeah, my eyes are not processing. No, you're talking about that one? The Glenn one? Oh, you know what it is? Nope. Yeah, now I can see it perfectly. It's just I'm wearing sunglasses in a dark basement like an idiot. So, sorry. <laughs> and no, no, no worries. Eyeballs, 
my eyeballs only absorb blue filtered light. That's the other problem too. You just you were just waiting to say that. Yes, I was. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Yes. Which I ask, I asked it to Steve. I asked it to a few different people. Let's hear. And I know you said you love everything, but give mm-hmm. me ten Danzig songs, ten Sam Hain songs. That's too many. Days. You got it. All right, fine. Five. That's five. way too many. Come on. Give me really? Five of each. Yeah. Five of each. Yeah. All right. Where do you want? It doesn't have to be all, of all time. It could just be what you're feeling in the moment right now. For me, it always is changing. For a long time, yeah. I had Children of Heat was in my top five because I just love that freaking song. Um, Astro Zombies is always kind of up there for me. Possession, the Danzig version of Possession is always up there for me. Uh, but, you know, everything else kind of like goes, you know, it kind of shifts. So I don't know if you have... You know, you're. Uh, I don't know if you if you can do top five of, of each three, but if you can, I uh, know I'm sure I can. Right. Why don't we start with? We'll start with Danzig. Okay, I'll start Danzig. with Danzig. I'll do uh, Blackness Fall. Is it Blackness Falls? I believe On that's Black Lady Crown. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with um, Skulls and Daisies off Black Lady Crown. Okay, uh, I'll go with uh, Hammer of the Gods. Great, love that song. Love I'll that go song. with uh, Night Star Hell. It's oh. another one from GRS, so that's the fourth yep. one, right? Yep. And then the fifth one, um, I was just listening to this one. Um, Netherbound, which was on Circle of Snakes. Oh. So see, those, those are those are my five. I'm sure if you gave me another five, you know, they would still right. be. No, no, I asked you for five. You gave me five. Yeah, that's five. That's five. That's five. All so right, that was Danzy. Give me Sam Hain. Sam Hain, I think I'll always have to put this in there. And it's funny because when I tell Glenn, he's like, really? <laughs> oh, macabre. Yeah. Number one. Number macabre. Okay. Okay. You and me, you and me are on the same wavelength. Macabre <laughs> is one of my favorite Sam Hain songs. This song is so bad. And when I say bad, I mean good. It is. <laughs> talk about everything that you said about like, like going against the grain playing at a hardcore show all these cookie yeah. cutter hardcore bands and then yeah. there's sam hayne and they're doing macabre like yeah what the fuck? exactly you know what i mean exactly and I, you know i don't know and maybe it's the fact that i think like the and i'm just gonna call it like almost like background chanting reminds me of like the omen and so and oh. and it's just just that fucking guitar nice. riff is just so twisted oh. and just so yep. unorthodox you know that yep. i'm like that's what I like. And, uh, you know, because of course everyone's going to like 20 eyes. I turn into a Martian, but I like something that's different, you know? So anyways, the shift is like that too. So that was, um, that's macabre. Another one would be, um, and I'm probably going to jump around here, but, um, okay. Macabre. Uh... I'll definitely have to say Human Pony Girl. That's one. Ooh, okay. Human Pony up. Girl. I am your power and your pain. <laughs> Anyways, Human Pony Girl. Um, what, can you, what are some of the ones from Unholy Passion? Um, oh, uh, The Hungry End, Moribund. The one about the shit. I'm just going. The one with the uh, slight, uh, like putting the baby, baby through a meat grinder. What was that one? There's a baby in the meat. Yeah, which one is that again? Hungry, K- Hungry End. Hungry End. That that which, song. Which, 
That's a secret surf song. If you listen to that song, it is secretly a surf oh, song. Like that bass, especially like that bass or whatever. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, 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 totally. And then it goes. Or at least that's what it could remind me of. But right. But that's another. Well, that's one of the um, songs where I told you I like the mix on the later version because you can actually hear Glenn singing these clear things about you know putting a baby through a meat slice or you know whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. But yeah, that that song I love. Um, so that's three. Yep. Right. That's three. And then I'll go with a uh, unholy passion uh, for sure. Okay. And then, uh, and and of course, you know, I'm, this is, I'm not going to pick it, but someone just posted to walk the night. Of course, I love that song. I, but that's uh, why I put it there. I put it there. I was pushing it. Oh, there. Was that you or I don't know. But anyways, that was no, I, that's I, I shared it. I shared it. Oh, my fifth one. I'll go with. Uh, yeah. I'll go with unbridled. OK. OK. Unbridled. That makes me feel like I'm on a roller coaster. Dun, 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 dun. Like I feel like I'm going <laughs> unbridled. <laughs> it's kind of I also like that other. I, what's that other one that I really like from that? And maybe no, it's not that one. Oh, Kiss of Steel. Love Kiss of Steel. Which to me, okay, Kiss of Steel is a reworked Die Die My Darling a little bit. There's very there's a lot of shared DNA between Die Die My Darling and Kiss of Steel. If you listen, yeah, to it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So. Good, great, great song. So those are my Sam Hain ones. Misfits. Now that you mentioned it, I'll say Die Die, my okay. darling. Um, I'll say um, Come Back. Oh yes, uh, I'll come back. You know, I will say One Thirty Eight. Um, and just because when I was a kid, to fucking hear that for the first time on the Bullet single was surreal. Uh, again, it's so easy for someone to have heard it once the box that came out and stuff like that. But fuck, it took a long time for me to hear that that song, and I was like blown away when I heard it. So I'll say one, uh, we are one thirty eight, and then um, so bizarre to me. So for you, because that's mm-hmm. so rudimentary to me, one thirty eight. But for you, in the order mm-hmm. of operations of when you got to hear stuff, that was like something that you had been waiting to hear. All I heard was live, and there was bootleg cassettes being traded, so you could hear it live. But wow. how the how the fuck was I going to hear a studio version unless someone had the single and recorded it for me? So, Incredible. that you know that that's yeah, it wasn't easy to hear that, but that's a great right. song. And then, um, you know what? This song I love, and I would love for them to play it. Um, Angel fuck, I oh, love that song. Love Angel fuck. And then um, I got to get something off of Walk Among Us. I would imagine. You know what? I'm going to go with a. Uh, I don't know. For right now, I'll go with a uh, Queen Wasp from Earth AD. Okay. From Earth AD, you see that? I don't think it's not. Oh, he fucked up. He meant, no, because I, I said Walk Among Us initially, but no, I'll go with Queen Wasp. So that's, that's just for now. But, I, but hey, Jeff, these change all the time, you know? They change and all of, the time, man. And, what have, and out of all these bands, what do I listen to the most? For sure, Dan's against Sam Hain, and occasionally the Misfits. And not, the only reason not the Misfits, because, you know, I did that 20 years ago, whatever, when, we were, when I was a kid, right. and I still love it. Um, but again, I like progression and I like to hear. I usually like again what what I what Glenn is usually thinking most recent. I it's so funny because I'm at the I we meet at Sam Hain because I'm the exact opposite. I love I love Danzig, don't get me wrong, but it goes for me. It's Misfits and Sam Hain, and then obviously I love Danzig, but Danzig's like the third the third wheel of the three when I'm listening to stuff. And it's just you know, it's so funny how like you know, the first time that I heard Sam Hain on uh, Initium, which was the first time I'd ever heard Sam Hain. And I'm like, I'm listening to Black Dream. And my very first thought is like, oh, it's just doing the Misfits, but without, you know, just like continuing it on. And couldn't have been more wrong. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it, it just, it's 
you you keep listening to those songs you listen to like the howl you listen to the shift and you're just kind of like what the fuck is going on here what is this the shift is like i mean the howl is kind of like um it's kind of like a scary story it's like a campfire story like about like don't go up on the hill where like you know the werewolves change and like you get you know taken apart or whatever i don't know i love the i love uh what he did with his lyrics going from misfits to sam hayne you know yeah I, I love it so yep. i think it was a i think i don't know uh, this is just my humble opinion but and it's cool because he uh like he just wanted he he was a pioneer to go a totally different direction to some degree right because he went against uh, i think punk rock was getting faster <laughs> and he went the other way and that to me is pretty right. bold that's almost like similar and i'm not saying I don't want to compare it exactly to, let's say, Black Acid Devil, but no Danzig album sounds the same. So it's just I like it how it always changes. Which album is the one that they always say is a secret Sam Hain album? That's a Danzig album and that it's like very invocative of Sam Hain. I always get it confused. Well, Final Descent? No, no, no. One of the Danzig albums. I think I've heard former members say this and I don't remember. Maybe maybe I'm crazy, but that one of the Danzig albums is supposed to be like kind of a it's in very invocative of what Sam Hain was. And this is after they've become Danzig and are doing Danzig stuff, but I can't remember which one it well, was. Well, I remember when they put out 4P, you know, they had a lot of reminiscent uh you know, was it re- maybe it was 4. Yeah, they had a and but I don't know. I've heard I guess that from a few different albums, but I just remember like in interviews where they mentioned, you know, I remember Glenn I think there was an interview where he was in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, yeah. Where he was saying, um, it was a video interview where he's saying, you know, it, it brought me and uh, the bass player to, you know, to a lot. It reminded us of a lot of the stuff we were doing in Sam Hain. Gotcha. Um, okay. Maybe. So that's I don't know, but yeah, that could be it. I'm not sure. Of. Even, um, and also Danzig One had a lot of, you know, in progress Sam Hain songs too. But right. definitely sounds different than <laughs> just the way well, it came I out. I mean, dude, like, I mean, I was reveling on that about, like, Final Descent, like, very recently. Like, the fact that, like, you listen to Possession when he's still, like, in Sam Hain mode, and then you listen to it in Danzig mode. And I love both. I like the Danzig one more. But it's just amazing his approach to the vocals just suddenly shifts, and he's not doing that. He's He's, like, growling and barking the possession when when it's still Sam Hain and then everything changes when he decides to strip it down and do the Danzig thing and he approaches the same song but from like the Danzig prism of vocals and it's just it's at another level it's at another freaking level and it's like and same thing with Twisted Kane too same thing with Twisted Kane I love those Sam Hain versions like there's the fast version and a slow version I love the actually like the really slow version but apparently mother mother used to be really fast did you ever I haven't that? heard any different mixes of that one, but uh, no, but, but, like when they were, but they were before they recorded it that it was like a really fast song. Oh, really? Really fast, aggressive. Yeah, I don't remember where I heard that. I got to tell you, Greg Fasolino, he I don't I don't know if you know Greg, guy. great guy, and he had yeah. this Dan this un, unheard Danzig interview, and it's like right after they released Danzig one, and it's fascinating. It's a fascinating timestamp of where Danzig was as a band. And it's just so interesting to hear him talk just about like what, you know, what he's trying to do and how he's approaching it and how it's different 
from Sam Hain, and Greg is very familiar with Sam Hain before and had been to Sam Hain shows. So it was very interesting to hear this guy who was very understanding of Glenn and his sound now suddenly change into what they were now, which is Danzig. So yeah, Greg. Greg's a good guy. He let me. He, he actually let me his Sam Hain negatives. Must have been now like. I don't know, at least 15 years ago. I mean, so wow. this was a long time ago. When, when I, this was before social media. Him and I were right. connected, but he had those killer. I, I think his his negatives had all this like um, like like sticky stuff on him, and somehow I got them cleaned up and I developed them and I sent them back to him. But yeah, great guy, great guy. He's a phenomenal. I just, I just, I just wish they would have taken my contest entry serious back then because, dude, ah. I fucking went to the only person that knew Latin. And the reason yeah. I wrote it in Latin is because Glenn wrote Halloween 2 in Latin, right? Yeah. So I wrote all this stuff. I found the only person who knew Latin to translate something like, I want your skull in Latin. And I'm sure yeah. they looked at it and go, we don't know what this says next. And I'm like, what? You know? So anyways, that, that was that. That was the, the contest that he was involved contest. With. That's crazy. So you had seen I was in high school. Places. Yeah. Wow. I was in high school and I had to go to another high school across town. And I'm like, you know Latin, and I'm sure now if I try to find someone that knows Latin, I wouldn't find it, you know? I, I spent hours on that fucking letter. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, you could, I mean, that's, in, in the digital age, uh, in the digital age of the internet, you probably could find some, like... You translator? <laughs> yeah, some translation or some, I'm sure there's like a, like a, like a program that would do it for you, but that's what I mean, like, that's... That's why I find that time, the 80s and the 90s, is such a fascinating time where, like, in order to, and we talk about this constantly on the show. We, you know what we talk about constantly? It's, like, kind of crazy when you think about it. The, uh, the Misfits break up. Earth AD comes out. You're like, okay, that's the last we're ever going to hear of Misfit songs. That's it. That's, you know, they put out Earth AD. And then Die, Die, My Darling gets released. Mm. And it has We Bite and Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight, which had only been heard live on live, Among yeah. Us. Right. Yeah. So it's like, wait, what? There's three more songs. And then Legacy Brutality comes out. It's got the other half of the, the, the songs from Bullet. What? There's even more. And it's just like, yeah, it's kind of insane when you look at it from that point of view. Like if you wanted to get this stuff that like you the way that you got it and how you would have to go about it. Or if you wanted information, you had to read zines, you know, oh, big time. library, you know, were you and a geez, zine I guy? And, and uh, yes, because why? Because they have photos, right? But uh, I remember back in, I think, 80s, around 86, after I bought my first walk among us, I, at that time, I did my next crazy purchase. And the guys at Neil's, rec Neil, Neil's Records looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was like, you know what? Screw it. I already spent 60 bucks on, um, on Walk Among Us. I'm going to fucking buy horror business. And back then it cost me a lot. It was 90 bucks. And that was probably the highest price, at least around the LA, you know, like um, LA area collect, you know, conventions. Cause I would go to all the conventions cause that's where all these punk rock guys would be selling their records. And I bought it for 90 bucks and, you know, people were like, wow, you're crazy. And I remember, I'll never regret this. I went to Fender's ballroom around the same time and I left and I said, I should have bought it. It was a, you know, legacy, you know, I ended up buying it later, but they had legacy of brutality for 30 bucks, you know, like, so colored vinyls were like 30, 40 bucks. Singles at the most were a hundred bucks. I'm sure wow. a, a cough cool around then was maybe 150. Um, so that was, that was, you know, some crazy times, you know, but, but at the same time, we didn't buy it because it was trendy or collectible. We bought it because it fucking sounded rad. 
Right. Right. It wasn't about it wasn't an, it wasn't an investment, a far cry from my earlier question about insuring collections. At the time, you just did it because you were into it, because it was cool. It's the same thing as, you know, some people may or may not know this, but Glenn Danzig, separate from the music, separate from being a, 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 a filmmaker and all this, he and separate from publishing comic books. He kind of deals in art, right? Like he he has a collection of serious pieces. He was very close to the Kirby's and yada yes. yada yada. And yes. he could tell you anything. That dude, like I heard a YouTube video. We watched the YouTube video on the channel about and Glenn's yeah. like, okay, so this is blah 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 blah. And look at the line work. And it was it was it must have been in this era at this time because his lines are thicker here. He just like and he did it because he thought it was cool, right? Like he knows his, he knows his art, especially the art he's into, and he and it's great that, like for example, his comic book company allowed him to have that outlet where he got to work with right. a lot of the killer artists like Simon Bisley and multiple others, and you know, rest in peace, Mar Marty Eamon, which dude, that guy, dude, um, I don't know if you remember Marty, but uh, he has great artwork. He even did some of the Sam Hain, um, I guess, like like on the box, if that's his artwork, like the, on the cover. But anyways, oh, Marty. Really? Martin Eamon was such a good guy. And I remember one time, because he was from New Zealand, and he came over to L.A., and he goes, he goes, Devil Man, I will do any artwork for you. All I want is a copy of 4P. And at, the, at that time, I was interning at American Recordings. And now it's funny to see all these people, like, saying, look what I got, this 4P sealed. I, I had, like, man, I had actors with, like, hundreds of those sealed because, you know. Yeah, that was rad. It was when did you enter? Wait, what? I didn't that was a uh, summer of 95, I think. Uh, I, it was funny because I was working at a restaurant. I was still in college working part-time at a restaurant called the Ivy. You know, yeah. really nice restaurant in Beverly Hills. And who yeah. comes in? Rick Rubin. And he comes in his black Bentley. And I'm like, Rick, um, I want to work for you. He goes, okay, call up the uh, intern and tell him that, uh, you know, see what they can do for you. Tell them I sent you. Wow. So I just did. I just called and yeah. I was just a kid. So I didn't really know what the hell I was saying. And I'm sure nowadays I'd be trying to ask for a job. But back then I was just in, looking to intern and they let me intern because I told them Rick sent me there. Rick Rubin. Wow. And, and, you know, that was that was really, 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 really cool experience because Glenn would come into the office and, you know, we would promote 4P at the time. And so that was that was that was pretty surreal as well. Wow. So you, uh, so you got to, so that some of the perks are, you know, like promo stuff that would come through. You get, you get maybe a choice piece here, a choice piece there, whatever. Like anything that would, you know, like that that was being sent out to radio stations and stuff. Did you get to, uh, you got to partake of some of the goodies and whatnot? Yeah, send them out. And also, if you recall, the packaging of Four P was a little bit odd. So one of my responsibilities was to call every like major record store on a list, like Tower Records to Small Mom yeah. and Pops, or you know any of these record stores that go, Hey, I just want to make sure you have this in stock. And how many do you have? Do you need more? Like that's, that was my job at intern, like just calling every store to make sure that they had four P in stock. <laughs> wow. Cause I mean, yeah. and that's like at a time too, when, uh, the didn't demon sweat, demon sweat came out before four P right. Yeah. Thrall, Thrall demon right. sweat live in 93. So like Right. So that's when he's broken into the top 40 or whatever. He's like, you know, uh, getting radio play with mother. And this is the first this is like the big follow up to the big radio hit. So it's like a very sort of important release. Right. Like you want to, you know, uh, make a big splash after getting so much radio play. Absolutely. And I think uh, 
I think they wanted to capture like, you know, they wanted to release it as soon as possible. But and I think it ended up being delayed, even though it was released in October, I think. But at, but at the time they were on tour with Metallica. So that was another perk, you know, being in that intern right. or being in the office at American Recordings. They would always send these cool videos of Danzig on tour with Metallica and stuff. So it was just a great experience just to see how the music uh, uh, business worked. And I don't know if you've right. seen it lately, but there's I think there's like a 4P promo video that's recently surfaced on YouTube where they show yes, the, the, with the, the band like this. Yeah. I wasn't there, but it was cool. That I was like, I used to work with all those people at American. I think all those folks worked at American except for yeah. the guy who actually played Bill Clinton, the lookalike, but all the rest were you know folks i knew from uh american which they were great all those people from american recordings were awesome and then it got ripped off somebody ripped off glenn it got ripped off immediately almost the next year another band did a very similar thing and it was totally ripped off i always or at least i always thought that i always thought it was ripped who, off. who was that know you know what i'm talking about what? well you know just another band they you know came out of coffins and just the exact same thing that Glenn had done one year prior. And then they just, Oh really? The same thing. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. Interesting. Um, it was just interesting. Cause it was like, I, I mean, they literally like, you know, cause four P came out in 1994 and then this band comes around in 1996 and they put out, you know, a, a video for their, their album. And they're just in the, it's same thing, but the, the, the coffin uh, lids come down and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, clearly they had seen four P and they had seen that, Thing, which in fact doesn't that come from some comment somebody made a comment and that's like that photo is in reference to something that was said about like uh uh or, or the president said something or something about there was something or, surrounding that it's almost like they like glenn getting a lot of flack or something like almost being like yeah there was something that happened there was some some i mean non-existing controversy now but at the time it was like a some sort of thing and then that was a reaction that photo is a reaction of them being in like the coffin you know uh sort of like making fun of the whole thing like uh and and putting it on the danzig record which i thought was interesting great way to sort of say something without saying something you know if that was the intention who knows exactly exactly who knows none of us know this is remember folks as i always say on the show this is all conjecture we just we pour over this stuff because we like it. We love the minutia. But at the end of the day, it's all just conjecture. So let me ask you this, Devil Man. When did – so you're, you're taking photos of, of Glenn for many, many years, and then all of a sudden that kind of blossoms into you because I've seen – you know, I saw like in the peripheral, I see you taking photos of all these other bands. It's sort of like blossom for you. Like you're, you're, you're just out there kind of taking pictures, and you've done it for – magazines am i correct about that or is it like websites like what what's going on explain it to me just shoot, uh mainly shoot for uh, different publications mainly for go venue which is uh you know on uh, it's online uh and it's great because i work with uh the guy uh from go venue robert good friend of mine he's been more than um supportive and has given me the awesome. opportunity just to shoot a lot of these bands and it's it's great because um I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I love to be right in front of the pitch, shoot them. Um, mm -hmm. and there's, you know, all different kinds of bands, but I think that, you know, by, and I mentioned it before earlier, but, but by shooting, getting all this experience shooting these, it just prepares me more. Like if I ever want to shoot Glenn, cause Glenn is extremely picky and rightfully so that's great. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, I like shooting all types of bands, whether it's in a club or even like, you know, there's nothing like being at Madison. Kind of 
favorite? Well, I, I do yeah. love shooting arenas. Why? Because I get fantastic lighting. Yeah. Or at least for like the main act, right? Because like, right. Uh, but like, you know, it's, it's pretty surreal when you're at Madison Square Garden, you're looking this way, there's a stage, you look this way, and, the, and especially like for that Misfit show, that show was like, sold, like completely sold out. So that was fantastic. Also, another great fantastic. experience was shooting Glenn at Knotfest at San Bernardino in 2014, you know, just looking at the Glenn Helen Pavilion, you know, in Southern California, just completely packed. It's just, <clears throat> it's pretty surreal, you know, so. Yeah, I just I just like to shoot. I love to shoot, um, primarily live photography, and so that's why I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting back to normal. And it's and it's really interesting because uh, I just went to the Dodger game last night, and it's, I would say, ninety percent of the people had no mask. So it's like I think people are just itching to go back out, you know. And I, I'm not gonna you know comment whether you know um I feel this way or that way, but it's cool that. Now people have an option to wear, hey, if you want to wear a mask, feel free to. If you don't, you don't. Um, but, yeah, I'm just looking forward to things getting back to normal and sh just shooting a lot because that's that's my passion. Dude, I know all of that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's a great it's it's a great feeling when you can dig into your passion and do your thing. Um, I'm going to I'm actually going to see Bauhaus on November 2nd. Very excited for that in new york and uh before that my first official show back since this whole covid thing the last time i saw a show was uh december 2019 it was the pixies and my first show is the pixies so i'm seeing the pixies oh again. nice yeah Excellent. so i'm really yeah i'm pretty stoked about that i'm a huge pixies fan i love that and um yeah i mean that's just it's i'm i'm dude i've, I've been craving live music and just a, a note about that madison square garden show i pretty much decided like i would definitely see the misfits again if i could but if i never see them again live i don't think i ever have to because that was the in my opinion that was the ultimate show that was the best that they sounded the best they had okay it's 2019 40 years from 1979 when they opened for the damned at hurrah in new york city 40 years later now now the damned are opening for the misfits at madison square garden it's october and you know and i know that uh a bunch of people would argue with me about this i think the misfits are a new york band i don't think of them as a new jersey band they came up in the new york punk scene of the late 70s they are a new york band by way of new jersey so this is a hometown this is their first true homecoming yeah. show if in new york city where they made their bones at max's kansas city and now here they are at, Ma at, at madison square garden sold out friggin' show the damned are opening for them and they put on the most killer set that there was the, did you see the girl in the wheel, wheelchair in the pit oh that wasn't that gnarly and then jerry giving her the her his base right yep yep that was really cool for those of you who are not there do not realize there was i was in the pit too and there was this girl in a wheelchair and what was amazing was people were running interference for her because she kept she was just circle whatever she was going around in the pit in the fucking wheelchair and at the end of the show everybody lifts her up in the wheelchair like she's some kind of cleopatra or something <laughs> yeah. move her towards the stage and Jer on Jerry's side of things, and Jerry bestows her, bestows her with a perfectly good unbroken bass 
And and then I think Glenn Glenn said the funniest thing ever. He was like, he was like, you got he's like, you got any more of those for the rest of these people, Jerry, or something like that. Some sort of that, you know, they go back and forth like that on stage, which is so wonderful to see. Uh, and you know, listen, the misfits. Seeing the Misfits live was exciting, but before even the Misfits came, there was something that was just as exciting for, for different reasons, and it was the Danzig Legacy. The Danzig oh, Legacy. Phenomenal. It was phenomenal, dude. It was like it, it was like you got to see the you got to see everything. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it just and that's why, Jeff, you know, uh, for example, you know, um, that's why I, I you know, obviously, I'm always there to see, you know, it's great to see the Misfits. It's good to see Danzig Legacy. But, you know, they're always Glenn's songs. So it's like, um, to me, it doesn't really matter who's with them. I, even though, ideally, I, I like to always have his current lineup involved just because they're, you know, right. they're the most recent. They're playing with him and so forth. But um, I do got to say, and, you know, for the mis- uh, as far as the Misfits, um, Jerry, Doyle, AC, Dave Lombardo, all really really good guys really nice guys so you know i can't say uh enough nice things about them all so i mean pretty much anyone who's you know played with glenn but yeah it's 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 really cool to to um you know see those shows and to see you know jerry give that like girl um in the wheelchair the bass and and so forth you know there's just a lot of uh good things that happen at those shows for sure yeah it, it really is and you know i don't know what the future holds but Whatever, whatever it is, I hope it's a bright one, and I'm I'm looking forward to whatever may or may not come next. Yet to be seen. I've seen little drips and drabs of you know photos here and photos there. We'll see what happens. You know, who knows? I, I'm just I'm I'm really I know they're gonna play. Where are they playing? Mexico or something? I think the, I think there's a Mexico. Did they? I don't. Did they do that officially? Because they're doing that aftershock for sure, right? I, maybe aftershock. it's aftershock. I don't know. I know something. There's something of something happening with. There's one at least one show that's happening, and I'm very. I think it's technically the Misfits' first international show since uh, England in 1979, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So how how's about them apples? You know. Well, to me, what I think is is pretty is pretty cool is that the fact that uh, what they haven't recorded anything in 40 years together, and they're selling out arenas. That to me is just like Glenn always says, you know, it's like a big, you know, fuck you. Where were you? And it's funny because when we're at the rainbow and someone says, Hey, so-and-so wants to take a picture with you. And Glenn goes, it's kind of funny. And I just like immediately just like naturally said that now they're asking this to ask for you, like, you know, where where were they back then? Like, you know, maybe even two, three years ago, before you guys stopped, started doing these misfit shows, um, you know, and it's funny because Glenn goes, yeah, like all of a sudden people like, you know, want pictures and everything it's like the brand I don't know. It's, it's pretty in a whole new way it's exploded and so yeah i think it's really really cool that you know they can sell out arenas uh for songs that they wrote 40 years ago and imagine yourself if you wrote something 40 years ago you may you may not even be proud of it you know what i mean but for these guys not only is it fucking cool i'm sure they're very proud of it and they're selling out arenas so good for them good for them beyond good for them and i'll tell you something you know the the big scuttlebutt that everybody's wondering are they going to do something new are they not going to do something new and i'll be honest with you i don't here's the thing i don't think that they should or could or that it would work i think that 
if anything, if we were to get anything, I just wanted a, an Evil Live 3 or an Evil Live 2, whatever it's called. You know, I just want like uh, just a live recording from what, the soundboard of one of these shows on vinyl. Yeah, I, I think that would be really great, you know, because I just think it would be really great. I think it would. It yeah, would no, for awesome. sure. No, no, I hear you. And I think I'm on the same page with you because, you know, to me, The Misfits is a legacy. I just want it to stay that way. I, I would rather not hear anything new. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, to me, it's just cool that the legacy, the legacy is still as strong as it is. And, you know, kind of like we talked about before that, you know, the vinyl, the collecting, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, timeless. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's, the, that's what's interesting about vinyl too, is that unlike tapes and unlike CDs, there's something about vinyl it's not immortal but it just it lasts forever it's a very physical format like you have to have a relationship with the vinyl you have to pick up the vinyl you got to put it you watch it spin you look at the big ass album artwork you exactly. look at the liner notes you know you, you become a detective right like you're looking for clues of like oh, what is it like what does this say about the band this is how like what can i learn about the band from this because this is literally your internet Right. And that's how that's how it really was for a lot of us, you know, you know, like fiends, I guess, back in the 80s, because there wasn't much info on on the misfits. It was especially the photos that that to me was insane. I mean, I I, once um, Danzig was going to start his new group, there would be like one little photo of a blurry misfits photo. I'm like, holy fuck, I've never seen that. You know, and now there's just like we're just spoiled. But that's just because technology has taken, you know, a, a different, you know, it's just a different different time now so it's cool that a lot of this stuff is surfacing i listen i'm very happy about it but i will say this and i honestly feel i truly feel this way if it if it's not out there you know people are upset that like stuff isn't out there but there's this is what people don't realize this is also intellectual property there's a bunch of different there's a lot of different ownership to these things there's the people that own the actual thing whether it's a photo or a recording or whatever it is and then there's the intellectual copyright that's owned by Glenn. And it's like, you know, all this stuff, there's red tape. You can't just drop shit. It's got to, if it's going to come out, it should come out the proper way through the proper channels, you know, or at least give it the opportunity to. And that's why, you know, people get really twisted up about like, why is this not released? Or I want to see this photo or I want to hear this recording. And it's like, it's just not that simple. Like if, if you're, if you're ethically doing it right, you know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing, you know, look, it's like, you know, if it's already out there, it's already out there. It's a different story. But like, you know, if it's not out there, then it's like, you know, if someone is the arbiter of these things, it's up to them to like not share it if it's not their right to share, you know. And so there's that to consider, too, I think a little bit. That's why I was stoked when um, Glenn actually approved the Sam Samhain Stardust Ballroom DVD, which, in my opinion, is one of the best DVDs ever ever i mean uh, so yeah i mean if, if it's done legitimately what was the story behind that that was just like all, all i know is that you know and glenn didn't make a big deal about it at the time he just goes oh yeah he got my our permission and that was it and i just bought a copy and i was stoked you know so yeah i don't know i, I guess the, the guy from um what is it from Flipside? i just had that that video uh, available which had never been released and he contacted glenn to your point i guess did it you know the correct way Right. And it, and it was released and we all got it. And that was like, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's great that Glenn gets the opportunity to say, yes, I want this out or no. If he's if the boss says no, it, you know, it is what it is, you know. Right. 
Right. So, but people, but trust people, me, people, I'm, I'm, I'm a, go ahead. No, no, sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm a, I'm a fan like all of us. So of course I would love to see it, but you know, I, I, yeah. it's just a little bit different when like, you know, Glenn. So if anything, I just want what, what he wants in a sense that I just want him to be happy. You know, he's the one making the money and I mean the money, the, the music he's making the music. So it's, he's the artist, you know, it's, it's his, Hey, his band. And it's funny because if you think, and not you personally, but if people think right. that, seventh house might be stringent on some of the posts or not and I, I don't know maybe i said this earlier but you have no clue how glenn really is um and some things he's really cool about and some things he won't tolerate it you know i've been in conversations with him and i'm just like yeah this one fan is saying this and he got so mad he's like give me that guy's number so i can fucking call him and tell him fuck you it's my band i don't want to give a shit who you think is a better guitarist it's my band and i'm like okay cool it's cool you know so you know, you just you just want to keep him happy, and it's he's the artist, so good I mean, for listen, him. You represent, yeah, but you have a you have a burden that people don't understand, and I don't, it's not a burden per se, but like it's just like you have a responsibility. Being the official fan site has to be done in an official kind of way, and that's why I'll never understand when people just like don't get that. Like it's just you have to align by a certain things. Like I, there are certain things that I don't post in that group because I understand that and I get it. You know, and you just gotta. You just got to understand, you know, you just got to. No, I think for the most part, people mean well. Um, I think the only right. time I, I can, uh, I, these days I truly get pissed is like if, I don't know, like, uh, I mean, I have no problems talking to anybody as to, let's say, why we did this or that. But again, that stuff is in the, in the minority. I think at the end of the day, yeah. people understand. Um, hey, and if they don't, I'll explain it to them. You know, a, a lot of this, you know, and. Yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, people are, for the most part, really, really cool. Um, and uh, they understand. And, you know, it's we want to keep it happy. It's a good, Great it's community. a really good community. I hate, you know what I can't stand this? This is the one thing I can't stand about elitism and fandom, especially when it comes to Misfit, Sam Hain, and Danzig. It's like, sometimes we'll get people, and again, this is not a slight if any of those people are listening. But, like, you know, we have the, in our little Lodi group, you know, someone's like, oh, it was like, you know, walking down the street and there was a guy or a girl and they were wearing a misfit shirt. And I was like, so can you name some songs by the band? And they're like, what? This is a band. And like, it's just like, it's like, what? Like, why do you even got to be like, so what? Like, who cares? They're wearing a shirt that they really love. And it's like, it's like, okay, so they don't know it's a band. So inform them be like, oh, I don't know if you realize this. It's a band. It's a really cool band. Go listen to Static Age. Go listen to Danzig Lucifuge. You know what I mean? Like, why, you know, turn this into a whole thing of like, oh, and they were wearing the shirt and they didn't even know who the band was. They just thought the skirt looked cool. You know, it just kind of, I just don't understand that kind of elitism. Personally, me personally. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, and I agree with you. It's funny because just the other day, someone, I don't know if they were doing that to me because I was wearing a t-shirt and they didn't, they didn't know who I was, but they're like, uh, Dan, Danzig or the other guy. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, yeah, as if, you know, it's like Danzig only. And he looked at me oh, like shocked, like I like, cause I responded just naturally, like with yeah. no, you know, like no with no, uh, no hesitation. And he looked at me and he's like, um, he, he's all right. And I'm like, Danzig only take care, <laughs> you know, bye. Yeah. And he was cool, but it's just funny. But you know, I, I hear what you're saying. And at the end of the day, um, Hey, if that music is getting out there and it's getting spread, whether it's from, the artwork or something. All I'm saying is that it's, it's doing the right thing. The music is, is, you know, doing the right thing. It's timeless. And I think most people that um, see those t-shirts, they know what the deal is. Um, 
and uh, good for them. It's again, it's it just continues the legacy. Hey, Jeff, evil never dies. Evil never dies. Listen, we got we're gonna we're gonna land this airplane, but before we land this airplane, we we talked about your your top five of each. Thank you for accommodating my request. Now I want to ask you if you had to pick a single artwork from each era of the legacy, a single artwork. There you right, go. Okay. No, no, it's okay. Go, no, go ahead. No, that's okay. Single or three? One, one from each? Can I, yeah. can I do one no, no, from no, each? No, or, no, no, no. or you want five from each? No, no, no. <laughs> top, top three from each. How about that? Top, top three. three. I, let me do one of each. Okay, fine. One of each. One of each. <laughs> Um, and it has to be a, yeah, it has to be your, yeah, not your favorite artwork, just an artwork that you think is really interesting. Because, again, another thing we talked about, we, we, we revel in, in the fact that Glenn Danzig is a renaissance man. But lest we forget, Glenn Danzig's a graphic designer. And not only is he a graphic designer, he's a graphic designer before motherfucking Photoshop. This dude was fucking Photoshop and shit before Photoshop even existed. He's like... Like, yeah. oh, we need a picture of JFK. Where are we going to get a picture from JFK? Hey, Jerry, go grab a picture. Go steal a picture of JFK from the public library, and we'll use that. Like, he's just he's just creating this stuff with exacto exacto razors. And what's that thing, Devil Man? You know, when the the Xerox, you know, you Xerox it a whole bunch of times to make it feel really thick. Like you see it in zines all the time. It's like this weird aesthetic. He's doing that too. And where you Xerox something like a hundred times to make it like thicker. You know what I mean? Like it's a Xerox of a Xerox. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, no, I noticed he would do that a lot. Like on real photos, I noticed he would Xerox them. So they would look just almost like prints, but um, right. no, but, but I, but I know what you mean. And dang, there's just so much artwork that, yeah, I would only be able to like do like one designer but... though. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Give me one of each. Give me one of each. Um, you know what? I, as far as Sam Hain, the one I really like is the Unholy Passion artwork. I really okay. like that. Okay. Um, and it's really cool because um, that's the one that has like the succubus with right. the stairway next to it, you know, right? Yep. Or like, or I don't know. It's funny because I never even knew those were stairs until Wait, I saw what? No. All right, now I'm going to look it up right now. Go ahead. I'm listening. Well, are we talking about uh, – I just want to make sure I'm thinking correctly. So that is the, the right one, right? And holy Let passion? Me just... Yeah, there's like yeah. stairs on the side. Okay, yeah. So I never even knew those were stairs until I saw the entire artwork, which Glenn did himself. He had it like on this little uh, – I don't even know how to describe it, like a, like a board, a white piece of board. And it's, it's that kind of artwork where you just do like – I think it's like a lot of dots. Yeah, like pen and ink. Yeah, so that, that was fantastic. So seeing that artwork, it was cool. You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, give away what's there, and some people may know, but, yeah, that's a stairway, and then there's, like, an image hiding underneath the stairway. The, well, it's never it's never been released. But anyways, the, 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 unholy, the unholy uh, passion for sure. That that's that would have to be my Sam Hain artwork that I really, really like. Um, Dude, you're blowing my mind right now. There's an image underneath well, it's just, it's, you just stars. don't see the entire artwork, you know, but it's, it's just the artwork alone that Glenn showed me one time was yeah. fantastic for that. And man, I wish I should have, I don't know if he would have sold it to me back then, but that thing is beautiful. Just that artwork is insane. Um, as far as the, his collection, 
does he still like collect anything? Does he have like, is it just like he doesn't he doesn't care about it in the way of like uh, you know it's whatever here you take it you take it you take it or does he still hold on to pieces that have some sort of meaning or connection from what you've seen? I'm sure he does. And again, I don't want everyone to speak for Glenn, but right, right, right. I don't know. I think I put myself in his shoes and it's like, I release this stuff. So, you right. know, um, I, I don't know if he's like, Oh yeah, I collect one of my own of each, or maybe he just has it there. Or maybe, you know, if he gets a good offer, he might sell it. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, because I, th- I know he has sold stuff in the past, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's like, isn't obviously like we are. <laughs> right. Right. It's not as sentimental for him. Right, exactly. Um, for me, that's why, you know, just being hanging out with him and saying, what the hell is that? And then he starts going through boxes and it's just insane. But uh, yeah, so I, again, I, I don't I don't know if he really likes that stuff, but at least from my perception, it's more like, hey, it's just my musical past. And yeah. oh, really, it's worth that much? How much will you give me for it? Oh, I'll think about it, you know. <laughs> but it's not like... You know, that's why you got to have a nice poker face because else he'll say like, okay, then you really want this that bad? <laughs> yeah. But, any, but I don't know. You know, because I, I'm sure he knows what some of this stuff is going for and so forth. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, it wasn't he, wasn't he selling, he wants to sell, he's selling speakers. There's speakers that he's trying to, I think he posted that, somebody posted that somewhere. There's like uh, PA speakers that are currently being sold. Like I'm that. not sure, but I know at one time he did sell some, um, like, um, some, like, those things, those cases that they use on tour, like, to carry their, like, I guess, like, outfit, you know, like, their stage wear and stuff like that, and he sold some of those in the past. I know some some guy from Vegas bought that stuff, but either way, I mean, the stuff that, that comes from him is, is pretty in, in, insane, you know, so I think whether he has some of that stuff, I'm sure he does. I think the Pumpkins should go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, those are awesome! You know who 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 made those? That, that was my good friend um, that owns the Halloween store. Um, oh, really? I, 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 I got to touch them. I, I think I is touched it, them at Riot Fest. Wayne Toth. Uh, either be I think I believe his name is Wayne Toth. Great guy, great guy. But he's they're hollow, he, not hollow. They're like light. He not only did he make those pumpkins, but a lot of the stage, um, the stage stuff that Glenn uses for Danzig. I think he even made the gargoyles from Halloween '92. But he's, he's he's been working with Glenn for a long time. Great, those, those pumpkins are awesome. Was that what happened? To, what happened to Bullwinkle from like the 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 classic Danzig? Remember the the giant? I believe. Uh, as far as I know, Glenn still has it. I remember at one time he was considering selling that, and that would have been around the time when they did those Roxy uh, those sunset shows. And I yeah. think he busted one out for one of those shows, I believe. But. I go, you'd sell that? I'll buy that. He's like, okay, give me like 20 grand. I'm like, I can't afford that. (laughs) But I do want it. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Steve has, you see, Steve Steve posts the the giant skeleton that he has on his lawn that he got from Home Depot. And I said, you know, you need to replace the skull with the Danzig skull on the top. It would be like having the human scarecrow on your lawn. Which would be perfect. Uh, oh, that's the that's where the Danzig guy lives. That guy that guy plays in Danzig, definitely. You know, pretty funny. Um, Agreed. So so where? Okay, so what is? Give me what's your Misfits artwork? Pick a Misfits Gosh, artwork. Gosh darn it! You, I thought I got out of those. Nope. <laughs> I was like, he forgot. Anyways, no, uh, Misfits. Uh, best. Uh, my favorite artwork, or probably the one that comes to mind. What would it be? 
You know what? It's like, I don't even know if this is artwork, but what comes to mind, and I don't know if you, you're familiar with this, the February, Tuesday, February 27th show from Max's where it has, and it's from probably a horror movie with the girl screaming and the couple looking at the yes. skeleton on the... Yes, a former member had uh, a torn version of that poster and it, uh, I believe it became, it was in the possession of Umberto, actually. Umberto had it. And uh, I just don't want it in myself. It's beautiful. It, beautiful poster and basically for those of you who are not familiar it's like this woman i don't know where glenn got this woman from but it's a woman she's going ah it's the misfits and there's like a skeleton at the bottom it is a really cool poster okay i'm gonna let that slide because you're supposed to say an album artwork but i'll let it slide if you want did you say album you said album i technically wanted an album but if you want to i'll give you an album um i'll 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 have to give it to walk among us i I really like that that artwork and the funny thing is uh I guess the first one wasn't supposed to come out pink, but I, I like the pink right. and I do like the purple. I almost like the pink more. I love the pink. I love I love them all, man. I just love the look of them. I I wish we had them in a bunch of different colors. I'm I'm all for it. It was supposed to bleed down. It's supposed to fade, kind of like what they did on Evil. I think the effect he wanted mm. is the effect that he eventually put on Evil Live. On you the know, re-release. Right around the same. Well, yeah, right on the exactly. Not on the like Fiend yeah. Club edition. The the re-release was the intended effect that he wanted for Walk Among Us, I think, I think. All I know is I, I really dig that artwork. I always have, you know, I also love the Earth AD artwork, both front and back. Um, you know, I can't I can't say enough about that. And then funny, um, as far as, go ahead. Funny, uh, funny little story there. I was looking at a picture of the Wolf's Blood artwork for the first time and I never noticed the skull balls or the snake dick. On you the- and a few others recently, right? <laughs> Dude, I was laughing my ass off because you just know that Glenn was like, hmm, skull balls and a snake dick. That's perfect. Yes. Okay, great. Like, just yeah. like of course, like, just like the, like, just demons. You know what I mean? It's just awesome. It's Dude, awesome. And, we have- and before, before I forget, Yes, I wish I could. Uh, if I had a time machine moment, I would have loved to go to that Santa Monica Civic Show in June here out in California, uh, and then doing- and then after that, and then after that, go see them record Earth AD because then they didn't they come out. They recorded that right after with Spot, yep. and then I just yep. I just remember hearing you know Glenn was tired, he was sleeping, and they woke him up to do the vocals. I just yep. fuck man, I would have done anything just to be a fly on the wall there because then you could really just hear Glenn clearly you know like in the studio with those lyrics because you know i didn't back as, as a kid in the 80s you heard that but it's like i used to play it for my friends and they always just you know i remember one of my friends commenting saying is he singing in a different language you know just because it was hard to understand but man wow. if i could go back in time that would be one of my time machine moments to see them record that with spot out here in california um real quick before i want to say one thing about that but before we do Battle of the Broken, thank you for your support. And we have a question for you, Devil Man. Thoughts on Night of Hate from the 88 demos, if you have any thoughts about those. What is that? Is that the, like, the, like the Danzig or like the Sam Hain? I think it's a rehearsal recording from 1987. And Where doing- there's a song called Night of Hate. There was like Possession, Night of Hate. So it is um, that session, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So I don't know if you're familiar. Well, with as, a, as a fan, I remember um, in the late 80s trading tapes and I got that. 
and Danzig One had just come out. So by listening to those, I was like, son of a bitch, this is fucking rad to hear. And then obviously that one song, whatever, or one of those songs from that Night of Hate, it, it always kind of reminded me of, it didn't, it didn't sound like the cult, but it kind of reminded me like that mm-hmm. riff or I don't know, just kind of, because um, that, that one of those songs wasn't released, but that whole demos, demo session to me was, was fucking, I was like a kid on cloud nine, like that I had access to this because again, you couldn't just go to YouTube and listen to it like you can right. now. So when I heard that, I was like, wow, to hear what, what eventually made it onto dancing one, at least some of those songs. Right. Um, right. And some of those other ones to me, the first time hearing that as a fan, I was blown away. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the magic. That is the magic of, of that time where you kind of like it captures your imagination. You're hearing these things and you're going like, Holy crap. Like, and, well, and another information another- too, it's mislabeled or you don't know what, like where it came from or, you know, the information's not right or the, the titles are not right. It's crazy. I think it was, it's just really cool. And, um, what was I going to mention on that? Um, what Glenn would always call, because, you know, some of those, it almost sounds like maybe he doesn't have full lyrics, but sometimes he would just say, he would just kind of go along with it and do like what he calls, I guess, scratch vocals, just right, to put something, vocals. put something in place to see mm-hmm. how it would sound. And then eventually he would, you know, update the lyrics or change them or what have you. But right. that, that's why when I listened to those, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. So I uh, Hopefully that answers the question, but yeah, that was a pretty surreal moment the first time I heard that on a cassette tape back in the 80s. I think possession is different too, a little bit, and I know that, um, yeah, there are, oh, for instance, if you've heard the first Sam Haynes show, which was in March of 84, right? Yeah. He is singing way different lyrics for a bunch of those songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. They're tra- They're tracking. They started tracking in January of 1984. Erie joins on bass in January of 1984. They go into real, real platinum with Babaleka. They're tracking Sam Hain Initium, and they finish tracking by May. The sh- the first show is in March, and they go on that radio station to promote it. You've heard that interview, that recording, whatever. Yeah. And the lyrics. So the lyrics on Sam Hain are different. The lyrics on, I think, uh, uh, the shift and the and macabre different. There's I want to say he, the, the one that stands out was I think was he who cannot be named was a little bit different. Yeah, too. yeah, you know, but but I know what you mean. And and Glenn's playing guitar. It's just it's just it's interesting. It's really fascinating to me. We have hold on. We have another question. How do you interpret the lyrics? Thank you for your support, Ballad of the Broken. How do you interpret the lyrics of theme for a jackal? We thought it was about Ted Kennedy, just a general esoteric allegory, etc. So do you have any thoughts about this devil man? Uh, I don't know. I never really thought about it that deep other than, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have an opinion on that, but that, that's an interesting one. Um, I love those lyrics, right? I don't know. I, the, the only thing that really stands out to me on that one was uh, is "Dead Daughter in the River." Dead Daughter in the River, gained by, by her liver. liver. Yep. I just, I don't know. That just to me, just that's when I think of theme of a jackal. You know, I'm like, that's wild. Especially wild. that he's saying something so fucking like brutal, but it sounds yeah. kind of nice. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. So as far as the theme, I'm not really sure. That that's an interesting one. Thanks for sharing that. Um, but 
I don't He's, know if I necessarily have one. Those early, those early, uh, those early Misfit songs. He is, you know, he thanks Bukowski on the back of Coffee yeah. Cool. He is so clearly like trying. And again, as I always say, I don't actually know all conjecture. It really seems like a lot of the lyrics are trying to emulate Bukowski poetry in a way, or that he's, he talks about, it. he says it in the interview too, the Pusset interview where he's like, there's always been one, it's Bukowski, you know, and you can hear it in his songwriting or his lyric writing, at least in the early misfits. And that's why that stuff comes out the way that it does. And it's friggin' phenomenal. I could see that. That makes sense. You know, I, I agree that that is phenomenal. That's why I'm, I'm really happy not only did that legacy came out, but obviously the static age, right? You know, because that, oh, yeah. that, that's another thing that blew me away because it sounded so clear, you know. Um, and even hearing those set, like the little studio outtakes after, I was like, oh. wow, that to me was surreal as well. I was like, son of a bitch. Again, another time where you'd like to, um, you know, have a time machine, go through a black hole, bend right. time, and go back to that spot and just be a fucking fly on the wall. Apparently he sat down. He sat down when he did his lyrics. From my understanding, he was not standing when he would sing those Static Age songs. Oh, really? And, and I, I don't know why that, I wouldn't know. Would I don't know, know why that sounds familiar, but uh, yeah, yeah. Usually, like I, when, when I've seen Glenn in the studio, he's usually standing doing lyrics. But you know, who yeah. knows? Because that sounds well, familiar for some reason. Well, listen, I guess you would know better than me. But uh, that, yeah, that's that's something that I had heard. But to go back to Earth AD for a minute, because you were talking about what to be a fly on the wall. You know, when you hear it broken down in interviews, it's like this. Robo, they're in a sort of like a concrete room. Robo is in the middle. Or Robo is like in the back. They make like an open square. Jerry is facing Doyle. And then Robo is faced out towards both of them. So the three of them are locked together. Like in a square. And they tracked all that shit live. Right then and there. Probably, in my opinion, what do I think that might have been happening? They're like making eye contact for the changes, you know, and just in perfect sync, like just perfect synchronology where they can just, you know, it's not like sloppy live. Like they're in this controlled environment. It's not hot. It's you don't have people yelling and screaming at you. You're not like covered in sweat. You're, you're, you're relaxed. You're able to just track this stuff and they're just locked in super friggin tight and i would kill to hear what those mixes sound sounded like before they got remixed as you said what it was like when they were tracking it it must have been unreal uh yeah i agree because right because you know they're they're they were probably stoked for two reasons at that time one they just fucking played one of their biggest shows ever i mean that was a big show for them you know huge um and then uh, to work with someone that had worked with Black Flag, which they had a lot of admiration for Henry and what he was doing. So, you know, yeah, I think that must have been a, a really, man. And that was, you know, only, the, the, the weird thing, Jeff, for me is like, that was 83, right? I was so, I mean, and yeah, I'm into Danzig now and Misfits and everything, but I was so into it when I was a kid. And that was, and here I'm telling everyone, you got to listen to this, you know, Danzig. And that was 88. That was only at that time, it was only five years ago. You know, it's like, you know, what, so like 30, 40 years ago. But back then, I was so much, I, even more so into it and just so intense into everything. And it was, and it had, and I got all I'm saying is that it had just happened for the most right. part. I missed it by that much, you know, but 
anyways, yeah, that would I'm sure to your point, they were just feeding off the adrenaline from the show. They, you know, they're whatever, maybe they were making contact, but they were just all in sync and just feeding off of each other and saying, Hey, not only did we fucking play a killer show at the Santa Monica civic, but now we're, we're going to, we have new material that we're going to record out here in California with spot. You know, I might be way off, but you know, uh, but just, just to me, it just seems like a very exciting opportunity for the band. And I'm sure Glenn in general was just tired. That's why he was, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, was that, supposedly, was supposedly, we don't actually okay. know. Supposedly, okay. it's been said that he slept through the tracking of the album mm. and then laid his vocals down. Who friggin' knows, man? Because you want to yeah, know something? Knows? There are recording. Here's the thing. There are also recordings where there's scratch vocals that are different than what, like, some of it's instrumental. Like there are AD demos? Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know what it is. I don't know if it's actually demos or if it's, like, super rough tracks that just hadn't had the over, like, vocal overdubs yet. Like, you don't, like, who knows what the, people like to say, oh, this is a demo. That's a demo. We don't fucking know. Like, for instance, a perfect example is look at what they did with Initium, like the track Initium. They recorded it on a four, it was a four track cassette recorder in Steve Zing's room. And then they right. spliced it into the tape. You know what I mean? Onto multi-track tape. He had been working on Archangel. Do you think that he re-recorded Archangel on fresh tape? No, he probably used the same tape. That tape went through so many changes before it became the Archangel as we know it. In, I believe it was May of 1984, they had recorded what would be the proper version, and then they went back in uh, in July of 1984 to remix it because it was missing certain elements. They did so much work on that multi-tape. So what, what the thing that I always wonder is, I don't think it's Earth AD demos necessarily. It's just probably the recording at that time. It's like, look, we buy the tape. We, we lay down some tracks. Okay, we ran out of money. We'll hold on to the tracks. Let me get a mix down tape. Someone takes that. Here, let me give it to a guy from the Necros. The guy from the Necros mixtape. You know what? Who knows how this stuff gets out? But it's like, and then all of a sudden that gets labeled as what we were talking about, like how stuff gets mislabeled. Suddenly like, oh yeah, these are the demos from Earth Earth AD. Who fucking knows? Right, right. No, we don't. No, I agree. We are talking about the same thing because that that's another uh, like. the other person had mentioned about the night of hate dem whatever yeah. night of hate demos that was another thing that blew my mind as a kid when i first heard that in the late 80s those quote unquote earth ad sessions yeah and again i think the thing that blew me away is like there was no effect on glenn's vocals so you could just hear them raw and to me yeah. it sounded like just a tight version of them playing live in a room and that mm-hmm. to me is that blew me away i just wish there was more um versions of those songs with vocals right because i think there's only like a couple and the rest are all like instrumentals right. you know right. but some you know instrumentals yeah but that shit to me is just that to me blows my mind as well listening to that but you hear what well, i kind of like that some of it's instrumental because you get to hear the mechanics of the music totally. without being distracted or i should say wowed by the vocals you're just sort of like <laughs> the vocals can be put on the back burner for a second and we can listen to the the churning the churning of the whatever you want to call it the uh uh the the music another tape that i learned the origin of when i was doing lots of interviews was as follows everybody knows it calls it the pit demos it's not pit demos what it is it's just the guys rehearsing and and learning new songs 
and it was recorded by the drummer of Earth of of uh, of Adrenaline OD, Dave Scott. He was doing something for a school project. He brought in a recorder, and he just happened to be recording this thing, and we got to hear them working on like Queen Wasp and Die Die My Darling. Googie is still in the band, and it's like this incredible document because you get to hear these songs being formed and it's lasted all this time on tape kind of crazy agreed sounds surreal that stuff that the session that you mentioned is also you know blew blew me away obviously all this stuff is unofficial and what have you but we're all fans um i'm not here to promote it but just listening to it for the first time i was like wow right precisely Um, we have another question from Ballad of the Broken. He says, Ballad, thank you for your continued support. Truly. There is a grove of bleached bones where lupines vomit. Oh, it's not a question. He's just saying, he's just he's just reveling in Sam Hain. He's saying, there's a grove of bleached bones where lupines vomit children's limbs, taking all their liberties with parts of the human anatomy. His phrasing and imagery during Stamhain was truly poetic. Just wow. Let's take that again. There's a grove. It's a grove, like a field, right? Of bleached bones. So it's a field full of bones that have been bleached by the sun because the sun is the thing that bleaches bones. Where lupines vomit, lupines being werewolves, are vomiting children's limbs that then (laughs) rot in the sun. And they are also taking all their liberties meaning that they're free to do with, as they wish, parts of the human anatomy. I will leave that up to your imagination. But holy fuck. Pretty insane, right? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my God. That is... that. Kubrick is... could write that book of Cruel, right? Yeah, so... That is crazy. I always wonder... I can tell you, Glenn does not have a copy of the Night of the Living Dead video that I know of. Uh, John Voice of Doom is asking... Uh, the only person in possession of the Night of Living Dead tape is Corey Rusk from the band The Necros. It's on Umatic tape, and apparently the tape still plays. Will it ever see the light of day? Who knows? I would oh, I would hope through the proper official channels if it did, and that is... I'm sure it wouldn't. I sure it wouldn't, but I don't know if this is um, correct or not, but what I heard about that is that they yeah. shot it. They thought it was cool at the time. Then they went back to see it and they're like, Oh God, no, this is just too cheesy. And they just didn't, they didn't, you didn't use it, but I could be way wrong, but, and I didn't hear this from anyone in the band or anything. I just heard it from s- someone that I guess knew the neck, the necros. Um, yeah. and, uh, they just thought, you know, because here, you know, like what did they have like their instruments? They're in their field. It's like, yeah. So sure to us, cemetery. They are in a cemetery, or, or in a cemetery, and to yeah. us, obviously, just that those shots—they almost look like photos. That looks yeah. fantastic. But what, what I heard is that they went back and looked at it and go, "Oh God, no." Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. Listen, I don't know if that's true or not. Or it's possible, man. I mean, I didn't know that there was a like the skulls video is like insane. Where like you know uh, uh, Jerry's talking about what they were trying to shoot for a skulls video, and apparently. And this was broken on the show. I don't. We don't know. We don't know any other detail than what Chris. Chris, who was a staple, he's in the chat right now. Chris, who was a staple of the hardcore circuit, we were asking him questions. You know, when the Misfits used to come up and play Boston, and you know, get really involved in like the Boston hardcore scene, eighty two, eighty three, and he says he remembers 
that the misfits were might have been thinking about doing a video for london dungeon so oh, wow. could you imagine there being a video for london dungeon that would kind of blow my mind so well you know i just any video from them i think would have blown my mind just because like when i look at a video like the cramps garbage man i'm like yeah. wow wow it's very simple but yeah. very has just something very uh cool about it because it's not like a forced horror look it's just spooky and just like yeah. I, I see that and i'm like i want more you know but anyways yeah i I, I wish i would love if that footage from um not a living dead actually came out one day but i don't think so i don't it's think any of that stuff tape, will ever <laughs> it's on pneumatic tape and it's probably rotting and who knows who knows stay if positive it's jeff stay positive I try. I really try. You would be surprised what is what is out there somewhere lurking underneath the floorboards. We we can only imagine. Oh, look at that. Is that Devil Does that come out clear? Does that yeah, come that out Devil clear? Man? That's Devil Man? Yeah. And just a quick shout out to Elizabeth Boras. I'm not sure she's on here. I'm probably not, but she painted this super D for me back in like, I don't know, I would say twenty years ago now. Wow. I love it. I love it. Elizabeth That's is not, awesome, and I've been yeah. to her house in Maryland. Uh, I, 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 more I, like I, a museum. More like a museum. And you want to know it was crazy? And I don't feel I don't I, I feel okay saying this. I turn my head, and there's a box, and resting on the top of the box is Doyle's choker collar from oh, his nice. first yeah. Misfit show, with the spikes or whatever. And I'm like, holy shit. She had like she had one of your, the the cough cool thing that you have like the with the with the hands covering the face. She had yeah. one of those and it was like in green letters and stuff. I mean, she had crazy. Oh, stuff the poster and I got those from Glenn. And so those um, oh, those all, posters, anything, right. and, any of those colored ones you see, those came directly from Glenn. And I don't think there's more than a handful of them. She had a green one. And yeah, green I got one. I got yeah. I got that one for her. That was that was a great one. That was a beautiful, a piece. beautiful one. A beautiful she's into horses she likes to collect horses yeah she does <laughs> that's her big she's thing. the best we wish you well we wish you well elizabeth truly and we hope that all is well and yada yada, yada. yes just want to say for that. sure yeah hey that was very nice of you because yeah she's a she's a trooper and uh she is a good she's friend. a warrior she's a warrior and when she yeah. i'll tell you something when she shares about her life i just i i really do i i i she i she's such a power of example of like Keep your head up, keep your chin up, and just go out there and, and do the best you can. And I just really, Elizabeth, truly, awesome person, awesome human being. When I saw her, I saw her at the New Jersey Misfit show, and she was walking around. I was like, Elizabeth, what's up? Good to see you. Yeah, it was great. It was cool. It was really cool to see her. Yeah, um, she's we, absolutely great. So we have gone way over the time that we were supposed to go. I mean, oh, just fuck. you kept me on here two and a half hours. I distracted you and we just kept talking and talking and talking. And I honestly could talk about this stuff forever because it's my one of my favorite topics to talk about. It's like so awesome. And I really want to thank you truly for doing this. Like, I think it's so great to hear like things from your POV. I don't think it's a POV. I mean, people hear it in your group, but like, you know, I just think that like people don't like, you know, uh, just understand all the mechanics of, of what you deal with and how you have to go through stuff. And, you know, um, just that, you know, people, not every fandom is so lucky to have, you know, a, a space that's connected to the source. And it's just really awesome. So thank you for all that you do. Truly. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out talking with me at the end of the day. Um, I think all of us are on the same team. Um, For sure. You know, we all want 
you know, we all like the um, legacy in certain ways or different ways, but it's all, you know, we're all on the same team and uh, we just wanted to keep going, you know? So yeah, no problem. And uh, thank you. And thank you for everyone who supports the seventh house. Um, totally. It's been around since 1996. It seems like forever. I've seen fans come. I've seen fans go, you know, it's interesting too, because I see fans go in phases. I see them one year, the next year they're gone. And then two years they reappear. And, but then there's also some that are just very, very loyal. Uh, uh, some of them like Liz, some of them like Leon uh, Marcello, um, some of them like you just, just, there's just so many. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't even know how to, to, um, to name them all, but, you know, and then a lot of the people that you work with, um, it, with regards to your group and so forth, all, everyone is just really, really cool. And, uh, you know, as far as running the seventh house, I'm never going to have a, a perfect answer. Um, and I'm flexible. So anyone can always reach out to me. And I'm more than willing to listen. You know what I mean? If you're a, if you're an ass, then of course I, I don't want to hear it, and I don't, I don't even want to deal with it. But as long as uh, there's a dialogue and there's communication, because I've made decisions on that seventh house board, and I'm like, okay, hey, so and so, I had a, I made this decision. I want to talk to you about it, and they don't even want to talk. It's like, okay, well, then fuck off. You know, either I'm I'm willing to to talk with you and at least give you my POV. I, mean, I don't have to be perfect, and I don't right. always have to have the right answers. Right. But uh, I do. Uh, Hey, I just want I just want uh, the legacy to survive and keep going. I want more Danzig shows. <laughs> you know, so thank you, Jeff. Listen, yeah, it's it, it is it's a, it's a giant undertaking, and and we we really do appreciate all that you do. Is there anything? Hold on, well, last thing. Is there anything coming up that I don't know something? Anything going on in the seventh house, or are you planning on getting doing any meet meetups? Because you guys do those seventh house meetups. Um, by the way, guys, Devilman has a merch store. If you want to re represent the Seventh House, you there's a link to his merch store down here. You can th there are there are Seventh House T-shirts, all sorts of cool designs made by Seventh House members. Please check yeah. it out. Um, and I was going to say that. House. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Please. So you know, no, no, check just, it I'm out. Not, you don't have to buy anything, but I just want to say thank you to all the artists who have just contributed and just you know just share their artwork. You know, it's it's. I think at the end of the day, even to this day, I put in more money uh, into the seventh house, you know, and I don't have to make money, but it's like, I just appreciate everyone's efforts, whether it's through right. artwork, whether it's through posting, you know, um, whether it's just, 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 just supporting. And it's not necessarily supporting me because all I do and my whole goal here is always just to share whatever I have. It's right. not to, to, um, to show off in any way. It's more like, Hey, Danzig's playing this date, or these are some of the things you can expect. So it's just to share, and I just appreciate everyone's involvement, however you guys do it, whether you post, whether you just stand by the sidelines, whether, you know, you come up to me at shows, and will we be having meetups? Probably, who knows, but either way, it's like anytime we go to a show, there's almost a natural meetup as soon as we just start seeing each other, you know, because it's, it's for lack of a better term, it's like a, it's like a family, you know? Yeah, no, totally, and it seems someone just bought a shirt, the, the Batman shirt was was uh just just oh the uh, devil man batman one or? yeah undead 797 actually just bought a devil man shirt today before the stream dope ass shirt batman homage it's a it's a killer um design put together by uh, christopher lee uh which yeah. christopher the funny thing is christopher was one of the four folks in that hot car that when i flew out to uh florida oh, in, in 1995 we were with liz yeah 
that was the first time I met Chris. So it's uh, and I also got a recently got a devil man bust from him. So he's a great guy, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, just just uh, really cool that all the artists get to contribute with regards to those T-shirts and so forth. So so check it out, guys. For, uh, Link is in the comments. Link to all the stuff is in the comments. And and again, uh, uh, Devil Man does do seventh house meetups. Sometimes there's like a meetup at a show. I don't know what the the current logistics of that is, but there sometimes that happens. And I hope that it happens again for you guys. And yada yada yada. So the, so one thing I will say about that: anyone going to Psycho Fest, um, if you want to put together a meetup, because my time is, I don't always have the bandwidth. And not only that, I'm always I'm, I'm always worrying about my camera equipment and things uh, of that nature. So if anyone wants to put together a a meetup uh, for that that for Psycho Fest in Vegas, ideally would probably be at you know at the venue or at Mandalay Bay would be ideal. Uh, feel free to and just let me know. But uh, always willing to uh, meet up with a uh, with other demon mother demon MFs and just uh, just you know, yeah <laughs> and just shoot the shit or just say hi or whatever. And and yeah, thanks for all the support uh, with regards to uh, the Seventh House. And if you haven't been there, just go to seventhhouse.com. You'll get to all those other locations. So. Links down below, folks. Links down below. We have a wonderful way of saying goodbye here at my channel. It's I don't know why I do this, but it's just how we do it. We say peace and hair grease.